When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing of the NRL tour. Round one is in the bag, and the NRL season is back in full swing, Boxhead. It is, my friend. Yeah, it was, uh, I guess, a solid start to the year. There were a few stinker games, but a few good ones. Yeah, well, I thought in particular the Cowboys and Canberra game was pretty decent. I thought the Warriors were a little flat, but I enjoyed that game with them and the Knights, mainly because the Knights were right up for things. Cronulla Broncos, okay. And probably the Manly Eels game I thought was okay, in particular like physical. Physical game, Very yeah. physical, but some errors in that one. But um, yeah, I don't think it was a too bad a first round. And kicking things off, the Fast Five has been scrapped. What we've come up with, obviously, Sacked like you said, uh, the last couple of years, it was pretty set in stone. Best, worst. Um, you know, highlight, low light, and any questions. We're still going to have the fan questions. We do some of those fan forums on Facebook Live during the year, but mainly... What we want to do this year, what we've come up with, is the set of six. So six issues, six. There can be any six things we want to talk about to kick the show off. Could be players' performance, talk about a team, talk about a coach, something that's uh, floating around yeah. the game in general. Any, just absolutely anything. Six things we want to address. You can give suggestions on the page during the week. Now that you know about this, things you want us to talk about, and even outside this, we'll still do the fan questions. But like Boxheads uh, just come up with, we can talk about absolutely anything. Yep. And do you want to go through them? Start. Yep, All set right. of six this week, kicking off number one. Number one, the English injury and interchange debacle. Was it, sorry? Greg Inglis interchange yeah. debacle, yeah. His injury, obviously, and then how he wasn't replaced. I'm going to not make myself out to be a doctor, but I've had a fair bit done to both my knees. So I'm just going to put it this way. The way he went down initially and grabbed looked like a medial. He grabbed the inside of his knee, which basically then... Six to eight weeks, it's not too much of a structural thing. It's more of a cartilage thing. But the way you compensate is by running with poor technique. Um, you know, you're limping, you do this and that. Also, if you tore his MCL, that's the supporting ligament at the back. And then your ACL is more vulnerable, which is what I did the first time I dislocated my Being left on after that is what led to the ACL tear because I took a bad step after that. And without that extra bit of support, I shredded it completely. They left him for 70 minutes on a bad knee. And like you said uh, before we got on here, surely they would have tested it Figured out what was wrong. Thought round one, they're already down three tries. Even if it was just cartilage and a medial. Let's get him off, get him healthy, do the surgery, and he'll be back. But no, they let him run for 70 minutes. I think when he ran after that try and hit the deck after that, that was the final straw. He swore a couple of times, looked up basically in agony. Um, even if it was a partial tear, there's enough damage there if it's not fully torn that you require the reconstructive surgery. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's negligence and stupidity on their part, round one, to risk their best and highest paid player for absolutely nothing. Yeah, look, I don't get it. Firstly, Inglis clearly wanted to come off. He did want to come off. Um, live at the game, you wouldn't have seen on TV, but there were times there where he was laying laying down on the field, mm. um, having his knee tested. Watching it on TV on replay, it was clear the knee was moving a lot, mm. a lot. It was unstable. Secondly, 
I think to not bring him off the field was ridiculous. You're basically surrendering and saying we're playing with 12. Uh, to, to, to use interchanges in any context as a, an excuse or a defence is ridiculous because, you know, you could have put Damian Cook on, moved Farrah to seven, reshuffled your halves, thrown Cody Walker back to one. There's a hundred ways you could have reshuffled that side and, and been more effective than having Inglis out there who can't run. I've got serious doubts over Michael Maguire's future at the Rabbitohs based on that, based on the way that they played. Um, you know, and then you've got the Tigers players coming out today saying they felt sorry for Inglis. I thought it was just really just a poor look for the game, really poor look for the game. You've got a champion player running around on one leg, and it just made made a mockery, really. He scored a try. Like, yeah. Um, you know, and Jason Taylor apparently tore the dressing room to pieces at half time because they they'd let him score, which I mean is another argument in itself. But I, I can't. I think it's a player welfare issue that, that he had to he problem. had to go on and play for sixty minutes. That's my problem. With yeah, it. and what I are you just doing to take care of him? It's just ridiculous and unprofessional from a coaching perspective, and a club perspective, and a medical perspective that they allowed him to stay on. I don't care about this bullshit old Being old age. There, yeah. That's rubbish. That is rubbish. Again. Michael McGuire, you're you're the leader of that team. If you want him off the field, you drag him off the field. Go he on. comes off the field. This crap about oh he wanted to stay on and he's a you know such a tough and such a legend champion player. We get all that. He's a good player. Fine. He's elite. Great. He's busted. Yeah. He's playing on one leg. He's he's a bum on one leg. Yeah. Um, and look, in in the defence of the Tigers, they won that game easily. But I thought they they could have targeted him a lot more than what they did. Yeah. Uh, but obviously the conditions, so. yeah, the conditions weren't probably conducive to it. But yeah, well, let's not get stuck on it for too long. But no, um, roll on to yeah, tackle two of the set of six. Wow, Tim Simona gambling situation. Should he be banned for life? I find it hard, and I know a lot of players have come out during the week, and I agree with them to ban somebody. I know they they say is it match fixing? I don't think it's match fixing, and I know you could argue that because they missed the finals last year. But I've said this before: you got smashed by the Raiders twice, Tigers fans. So slow your roll, but there's blokes that have taken prohibited substances and been banned for a couple of years. Um, there's the Ryan Tandy situation, God forbid, where there was bulk payments, like big money on something to like win a massive amount of money. Is it dumb? Yes. Should it be banned for a while? Yes. I think he should get like a four-year ban or something like that. He'd be 28 or something by then, but mm. I don't think this is absolutely detrimental to the point that they should ruin him by banning him um, for the rest of his life, but I'm more look at what some of the ex-players say. I'd be more pissed off that I'd played against somebody that stole rep jerseys or was a step better and was better than me because he'd been doing the wrong thing, taking PEDs, rather than someone who was putting ten, twenty dollars on some bloke to score first try against me. Mm, I, I don't like it's it. It's very low to that. that. Like it's the integrity of the sport and your teammates. It too. is a, it's another part of it. It is fixing the game, yeah. not as a not from a not holistic a perspective, I I but it's that. fixing the game in the. You're basically saying I'm going to give this guy an opportunity to score, so yeah, it is fixing to a not. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how to really explain. I don't it, think there's a right answer. Let's put it that way. Everyone's look. Got I, I agree with you. I I tend to lean on the side of just being him for life, get rid of him, make an example of him. Uh, and I, the reason why I err that way is because if we go soft on him, and not not that I think four year ban is soft. What happens to the next guy? But do we throw thing, the next guy under the bus? Like, when, thing, yeah. when do we draw a line in the sand and say, no, enough's enough, that's it, done? Again, the precedence of what they did say in the Ryan Tandy situation, where he copped it for like having a bolt bet, but a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Uh, David Williams and Ethan Lowe and a couple of guys got scrubbed out for the last few games for having 10 and $20 bets, just small bets. I know they weren't match-fixing, but they were betting on results of games, and you're not supposed to. Yeah. 
I mean, I you know I look at those guys only got a couple of weeks, and if he's only putting ten twenty dollar bets, I know again yeah. the the market he was betting on affects the result technically because that try could be the difference between them winning and losing. Yeah, um, but I'm just and, looking. And Kenty's made that argument like across yeah. radio and telly that they missed the finals by one point last year. What if yeah. and they lost six games by less than a try? And, so. and this is what I'm getting at. It's, it's hard to draw this and be right. I think there's plenty of we ways to look at it. There's plenty know. of ways to look at it. But I'm looking at it. He's not bulking off this as a second-tier player who's on $30,000 trying to change his life. No. He's done something stupid. Uh, you know, you can't put brains in stuff. He's very, very dumb. He deserves punishment. I, I'd rather him out for three or four years and make a bit of an example on that sense that, you know, it's it's not right. But if they do make an example, they better stick with this precedent from now on. That's all I'm saying. But um, I look at the PEDs and these other things and listen to what some of the other ex-players were saying, and that would piss me off more as an ex-player, to be honest. I think... As an ex-player, it's a bit selfish for him to use that as a defence. I think you've got to look at it as two totally different things. If you're taking performance-enhancing drugs and their performance is enhanced, I get it. This has got nothing to do with performance enhancement. I, yeah. don't, I don't see the parallel between them. But for me, he's gambled on a game. I don't care how much he's gambled. Yeah. I think whatever happens, you know, whatever way they decide to go on this, I don't have a massive issue with. I couldn't However, they either. need to come out and say, right, the next, if you bet a dollar on any game yeah. and you are found out you are gone for life yeah. So, and I, I don't have an issue if they do that after they've been in for life and this is what one of there's the no excuse for it and, and or, you know I've been in uh, NYC seminars and you have as well yeah. where you sit there and they say if you ban on a rugby league if you bet on a rugby league game even to the point where I was on the podcast a couple of years ago I was you allowed to talk about gambling or tipping but then again the NRL is so hypocritical you watch the footy show and there's players talking about odds yeah, and tips tipping. and all that sort of stuff. So and This is one more thing. For anyone out there, I get all these people going, the NRL's job to educate. They do their job. And like oh, you've just they, said... It's so clear. I will defend the NRL because we have been in these systems. You've been in a coach. I've been in the 20s. They do a hell of a job with that camp. It is extensive. If you don't know, once you walk out of that, your responsibilities, once you sign a contract to play at an NRL club from that level onwards, you're an idiot. And basically. back when I was playing Jersey Flag, like 10 years ago, this is before, four years before you were, you were there, yeah. gambling, gambling was 10 markets on a game. Yeah. There's now 150 oh, markets on a game. ridiculous amount. So, people out there are saying, oh, they're not educated, NRL, you're doing a poor job, rah, rah. that's bullshit. Yeah. I've been to the NYC camp, it's two days, it's extensive. The biggest thing they harp on is exactly that. You can but do whatever you that, want, but rugby league is the one thing that you can't be betting on. Drinking, the way you handle yourself in public, all these bits and pieces. We get education during the season too. We had the NRL people coming out and seeing us again. They yeah. get plenty of education. Yeah. It's a Plus the clubs all run their own. Exactly. Well. So, so it's the responsibility of the individual to have some brains and think about what they're doing. All right. Bryce Cartwright situation. Tackle three. Um, look, he's uh. allegedly... Paid or well, no, it's been confirmed. He's paid fifty thousand dollars in a signed contract to in an agreement that yeah. a partner of his who he got pregnant was going to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, that aspect of it is a private matter, and whatever they discussed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I've been told today. I've done some research today. Been told that the fifty thousand dollars that Bryce Cartwright paid came out of his contract, so there's no salary cap issue there. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you have an issue with, A, I guess the situation, B, the way that the Panthers and the NRL have dealt with it? Um, I was a little bit dumbfounded, but more disappointed again that this is just another one of these things where everyone's going to stereotype all rugby league players that this is the way that everyone behaves and they treat women, etc., etc. And 
I don't really have a whole lot to say. It just makes me sad and quite disappointed and angry um, about the whole situation. And mm. again, looking at a bloke that's borderline origin player, all the talent in the world, has some things to fix up obviously in his game, but all this stuff happening off field with his other ex partner. Mm. Now you're hearing about this, I just yeah, I'm I, I'm a bit lost for words to be honest all around. I think from uh, from Bryce's perspective, he needs to sort out his private life because 100. This is uh, this isn't the first time this... social media has come back to bite him. There was a big upheaval on social media last year, which sort of made the news, made a, a flood up. It was around October yeah. last year with another partner who was accusing him of a multitude of yeah. different things. Yeah. That's not our business. However, he needs to get that aspect of his life sorted out. It definitely affected his performance on the weekend oh, because he was, he was really poor. Um, from the Panthers' perspective, I'm not too sure. Like A couple of things that Gus, like Gus sort of laughed yesterday that, at, you know, oh, a young fella getting a girl pregnant and sort of laughed it off. I thought there were parts of his press conference to me yesterday which I thought he could have done a better job in in terms of, like you're talking, from a holistic perspective. Yeah. If I'm a young I'm female watching the yeah. sport who doesn't know Gus Gould or doesn't know the Panthers brand, it didn't look great. No. Um, but I don't, I don't see where the Panthers could have done any more in this situation it's not really their job to no they kind of to sort out this situation for Bryce I mean obviously if he comes to him and says look can I get 50 grand in my contract Penrith would be asking why yeah well. you know there'd be that conversation and there's a welfare aspect to it but in terms of uh, you know the responsibility where the responsibility lies for this it's Bryce in the actions that he's taken and yeah. the girl you know the girl's obviously knew or she may or may not have known whether he was with another girl and whatever and you know it well, takes two to tango to have known about well it takes two to, two to so tango and does. she she did the wild thing as well and you know the result was that they got pregnant yeah how that then went to severance and whatever happened it's just and then for the nrl i know todd greenburn came out on sunday and said look it's a private matter we're not going to look at it and now they are looking at it and i think it's probably a good thing for them to look at it because if there is one you know one element of this that, that is wrong and that the nrl it's it's a time for them to probably take advantage of this situation mm. and show the wider community that they can deal with difficult issues like this. Yeah. So, yeah, as you said, I'm pretty disappointed in it as well, but we'll move on. Yeah. Uh, Wayne Bennett's aura. It was questioned last week, has Wayne Bennett lost his aura? A few people who like to kick Wayne Bennett, i.e. Gordon Tallis. Gordon Tallis is the one that obviously he gets a lot of airplay for it. Um Anyone should know that by now. Like they've all said, they don't yeah, have a relationship. They don't. So you so only have I don't, to take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, that's like Buzz Rothfield. Anytime he attacks, feel good. You take yeah. it with a grain of salt. There's some people that have uh, a bit of beef, and I know other players come out. I tend to, you know, Matty Johns has got a fairly good ear to the ground, but he seemed to think that he'd lost some of the players. But from what I saw the other night, I, I don't see mm. a group that's lost. And I know there's some younger blokes there. And, some bit, well, uh, there's no one really there that I look at and go, well, who would have a major involvement in his life bar, say, a Darius Boyd or these guys, McCulloch, that he's had for a long time? And uh, I'm yeah. trying to figure out who would have a massive gripe with him. And then they brought up the fact that he broke up with his partner and he's 70 something years old and he's dating something. What's that got that's to do the with angle, anybody That's else? the angle that I was going to take. Well, I don't understand why, why how, the hell, all the players? how the hell that has anything to do with him it's as a coach. Nothing to do with anything. His aura was he's got a perfect fit. Mate, divorce is. That's divorce. Our parents are divorced. Bloody hell. Everyone, like, it's. More common that a marriage falls apart than it does stay together. Yeah, the modern so day divorce now, so. is just a part of life. Um, I don't look at Wayne any differently because he's divorced. I don't no. think he's less of a football coach or has less of an aura because he's divorced. I don't think Please. he's lost his aura at all. I think they're just in an awkward transition period because there's players off contract. Uh, they're halfback signed a year in advance. They're obviously out there 
on the look for somebody. Then you've got Milford, you've got Boyd, you've got McCulloch. People say McCulloch might be a bit filthy about not being captain, but surely even he could look at that situation well, and understand that Boyd was nominated for the Golden Boot Award last year. He's also in a key position. He's been to Wayne with all these clubs. I look at a lot of these bits and pieces, and then I look at the other side of it. If he didn't have his aura... Moga wouldn't have wanted to go there. There wouldn't be talks about someone like Foreign possibly wanting to go there. Corbin Sims wouldn't have severed his contract and lost half the money for this season to go there. I reckon it's all bullshit. So, yeah, I, um, I think clearly, you know, if he's lost the dressing room, I don't think he'd lose the dressing room. He might be. There might be players questioning him and yeah. whatever. He would have dealt, dealt with that privately. The thing that worries me is whenever they question his aura, he goes on and wins a comp or makes a grand final. The last time they did it was uh, obviously when he left Newcastle. And that year they made the grand final. First year back, Brisbane made the grand final. So, yeah, look, for me, it's no-brainer. Anyone that's won six premierships, been to seven NRL grand finals, he's no mug. Uh, and he deserves the aura that he's got as one of the... He's going to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest, I still, NRL, coach in NRL history. The thing that gets me is you lay the boot in again, like you said, with a resume like that and such a run of time within mm-hmm. such a short period. He made the finals Probably, And you know what? The whole divorce situation just isn't... It's an easy... Easy yeah, target. He, it's, it's not it's like weak he's, for me. Weak journalism. So lay off saying it. you've lost your aura would be him after thirty years making a couple of bad decisions, signing wise and falling off the pendulum and missing final series. He was in a grand final two seasons ago and he still made the finals last year. Yeah. So I don't see how all of a sudden this could be getting floated so rapidly and aggressively. Yeah. All right. The last two. Jared Hayne under pressure at the Titans. Flick him. Uh, I don't want to talk about this for too long. He's in the shits. He come back. He compared himself to Jesus. He's had a million dreams. He's played nines. He's been to the NFL. He's greedy. He's got branding on himself. He's all about him. I don't like it. I'm sure the Titans have had enough. Neil Henry walked away from a press conference today. I think they said they put a deadline at the end of May whether they're going to talk to him for contracts. Guess what? I wouldn't even offer him a contract. Mm. He mentioned French rugby already straight off the barber, put the limelight back on himself like they said the Haynes side show. I'd go talk to him right now and say, hope you have a good season. Start looking elsewhere. Uh, find the door. Well, I think I said to you last night, I, I think he's thrown our season down the drain. I think this is he's going to be the sideshow, and it's going to take away from the Titans. The strength of the Titans last year was that we didn't have a superstar. They were a group. Uh, to me, on the weekend, it looked like they hadn't trained since the last game that they played last year. And that work ethic and team cohesion that they had all last year that got them a lot of results was missing. Yeah. So I agree with you. I don't think... I don't know whether we should resign him or not. I want to see more and oh, see how this situation pans out, etc., etc., etc. I couldn't do it. But from if you ask me right now, definitely not. Absolutely not. And last year, you know me, I I wasn't celebrating and jumping up and down. I said I want to see him perform well. I'm going to push the wait and see button on Jared Hayne. And to this point in time, he hasn't justified even half the money that we're paying him. No. Uh, and I hated the fact that he kicks off his opening press conference talking about how he wanted to go to Parra, but they didn't want him back. And he's yeah. wearing Gold Coast gear. And so. talking about French rugby a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. It's like limelight away from Barber again to throw himself back in the headlines. Rubbish. So good on you, Jared. All right, the last point. Uh, Kieran Foran's contract situation. Now, he's talking about already moving clubs. He hasn't played a game for New Zealand. Well, number one, they're talking again now that he might be injured. So not only just the ban up until round three uh, for a return game, he may miss six, seven weeks. So he possibly doesn't come back to round 11. The talk is the Bunnies, the Broncos, a few open talks. I'm more surprised and disappointed that, you know, this may be a way to try and get something locked in early at a nominal market value. But on the flip side of that, if you're trying to lock something in early, if you're one of those clubs, sure, you're not crazy enough to roll the dice on someone who you don't even know if he's in the right headspace. He's been injured the last couple of years. Don't forget all the hamstring problems, which I've brought up in the last couple of years. 
which constantly had him on and off the field. Mm. He's taken a lot of miles on that body, regardless of what's going on mentally in the headspace as well, um, as far as injuries are concerned. So I don't know how you could even discuss anything with him or want to talk to him until you've seen him get back on the field for at least a month or six weeks and seen him healthy in a good mindset and playing some good football. Yeah, I think it's ridiculous. There is bear traps all around this right now, and no one should be talking to him, and he should be worried about paying back the Warriors who have taken him in for a year, put him uh, around some family and in a good environment back in New Zealand, away from the Sydney media, and just trying to get his life back on track. Absolutely. I think the best thing he ever did was move away and go to New Zealand, and I think he should stick it out, have the year there, see how it goes, and then make a decision. And if it goes out contract, Because, you know, I know other teams would have offered him a contract, but in the end, New Zealand are the ones that have stubbed up probably the most cash to get him there. So why don't you deal with them and play good football for them? Because at the moment, they're the ones paying your bills. Well, I think even now, they didn't give him heaps, but still more than your average Joe, a couple of hundred thousand, maybe two, three hundred dollars talking. You've got a good piece of wedge to leave Paris Exactly. Well. But they've saved him for the year. They've given him a decent environment. They're going to let him play football, and I'm sure they'll do the same thing. If he plays well, if he enjoys things, they will pay him appropriately. But yep. he needs to prove something first. And I was kind of disappointed to hear that clubs are already in discussions, because I think, especially Brisbane, uh, would be smart enough to want to see him in a good headspace and playing football before they even thought about talking to him. Absolutely. Alrighty. That sums us up. That's our first set of six. So what we'll do on the back of that, we'll jump into your questions, and uh, we brought it up, obviously. Well, we're going to do our power rankings. Oh, we can do the power rankings now before we do the questions, if you'd like. So another little element. Well, we've done these probably monthly. We used to throw yeah, them in. Yeah, we used to throw there. them in more near the back end of the year. But this year, we're going to do it every week. We're going to give our top eight, and it's not the top eight that we think are going to be there at the end of the year. It's the, the top eight teams right now, based on, the, based on what we've seen. On the weekend, it's very subjective. By all means, critique ours and agree, disagree, whatever. Yeah, throw You're entitled up. to your opinion. So if you are going to have an opinion, at least uh, if you disagree with ours or you've got something to yeah. chime in with on ours, at least put your own up on the page or and take your own or... team out of it, please. You know that's one thing that just gives me the shits a lot of the time. We all have our own teams, but half the reason we do this, we love rugby league. I go for Melbourne, he goes for the Titans, but we're never ever biased towards our teams. Be subjective, like Brock said. Open your mind up. Look what you've seen on field. Um, and, yeah, that's, you know, just one thing that bothers me a lot of people. Ah, my team won on the week by four. It's round one. You may have won by 40. God knows what's going to happen next week. So yeah, just right. slow your roll and calm your farm. We'll go, we'll go through them from one to eight, and uh, you can go first and I'll go second. So number one. I've got the Roosters at number one. The wow. second half, disappointing. But what I saw from the halves, uh, you know, the outside backs that were a bit flat last year, Kenny Dale outstanding, Tupo, Latrell Mitchell, Suits his legs and his engine a lot better at this young age, playing at left centre, and he's a beast. Michael Gordon's safe at the back for the time being, and um, the forward pack is solid, and he's still got Tokiahu to come back. So I, I think they only played one half of good football, and they actually blew you guys away. So I'm scared to think what will happen when they put a full performance together. Yeah, I got the Cowboys. I thought that was the strongest game of the weekend. They went to Golden Point. Uh, I, I like the Cowboys at number one. Uh, number two. Number two, I have the Storm. No Billy Slater, Kevin Proctor, Blake Green, Corey Beatty obviously moved on. Um, we're also talking Riley Jack's debut in round one in the wet. So, you've, you know, I can't even begin to imagine what it would have been like. No Slater, no Harris, no Proctor. And then we lose Bromwich eight minutes in. We still found a way to win. I was absolutely blown away. So I think it's justified. I've got the Raiders at number two. I thought they were very, very unlucky to lose that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they played, for the majority of it, they're probably the better team. They scored a try with a man in the sim bin. Yep. They lost in Golden Point. Uh, and I think there's only good things to come from the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how they go this week against the Sharkies. But I saw nothing on the weekend that suggests to me that they're uh, they're not going to be a real premiership threat this Just year. Discipline, I think, needs to change a little bit. But number three, 
I had the Cowboys. I yep. thought, like, much like you, very good. I think they're a little bit rusty. Um, they struggled a little bit in attack. It was a little bit clunky at times. But again, I said this again, when people fire up round one, the Tigers are going so well. You didn't have a lot of people go overseas on tour. Teams like the Cowboys, the Storm, anyone that's had guys roll back in after Christmas, mid-January, who have barely trained or trialed, all those teams start off a bit clunky. So I'm not worried about the Cowboys, but Jason Tarmelow and a couple of those blokes, exceptional. I have the Storm at number three uh, for obvious reasons. I'm not going to go into them yep. and bang on. But, yeah, Storm uh, number Storm. four. I've got the Raiders, like you, uh, losing side or not. No Jack Whiten, no Jared Croker, no Junior Paulo. They lost their penalty count by a mile, and they deserved to because they were very ill-disciplined. And Ricky Stewart and the players admitted that. So, again, when I said fan by, I sent a bunch of people whinging out there that Raiders fans, I'm a former player, had mates there, stop whinging, pull your head in. Um, Leilua and Rapana in particular I know they had good years last year but there was a bit of ego on that and just some stupidity mm-hmm. if they pull their heads in and knock the penalties off they'll beat just about anybody this season they're outstanding yeah number four I've got the Roosters I thought they were super uh, and they look to be as damaging and dangerous as they did you know in 2013, 14 and 15 when they won uh, all those minor premierships so we've got the same top four in different rankings different obviously rankings. but yeah. you know take a lot out of that because we're, we're both on the same sort of page with the top four teams. Yeah. Uh, number five. I got the Broncos. Like yep. I said, I didn't think they were outstanding, but there's some bits and pieces there again. Guys back from tour, surgery, a couple of new players. Moga hasn't played NRL in two years. Exceptional talent on the left side. Milford and Hunt finding their way. Fifth tackle option's a bit poor and the forward pack changes. They've got a different kind of bench. Two young guys. Maguire's playing lock. There's a lot to like there. They're still a very decent side. They're going to get better. There you go. I've got the Broncos at five as well. So, again, same top five. Number six. Sharkies. Again, a team that lost, but I didn't think they were too bad in a losing effort. Holmes is still to come back. I think there's a few guys, again, a bit flat off the grand final win, off the tour, and I thought Jaden Braley did a nice job. And if they get Segarra on board, they're only going to be better off in a couple of weeks' time. I had the Tigers at six. I think they were... They're the one side that I'm regretting not putting in my top eight. Uh, they... Looks super impressive, obviously, whether they can be consistent and put that together for an entire season and avoid injury are going to be the, the key questions. But I think it was really important they started the year strongly, and they did. I'm not sure even what to read in the form of South Sydney, but yeah. that's an argument for another day. Based on what I saw, I've got the Tigers at six. Number seven. I've got the Tigers at seven. Again, I didn't put them in, but I don't regret it because exactly we had one of the fans say on the page and you had the right response. Uh, after one game, I'm not buying in because we've seen this before where they'll beat someone they're not supposed to beat and then the next week they'll play someone like Newcastle last year. Yeah. And I said this before, all the Tigers fans out there, I love watching your side when they're on, but you're the only team who lost to Newcastle last year. So any time somebody said, we deserve to be in the finals, no, you didn't. Mm. You're the only team who lost to the worst team in the comp. So I hope they put it together. I hope Moses and Brooks, Brooks in particular, I thought had a great game. Yeah. Um, I hope they have a really good year because they've got an outstanding young side and they're brilliant to watch when they're on. But I need to see the proof of the pudding over 24 rounds. Correct. Uh, number seven, I've got the Eels. I thought they were uh, tough, but I, I'm i not 100% convinced with them because I think Manly dropped a lot of ball and I, I think they should have wrapped that game up a little bit earlier than they did. I'm not totally convinced on Gutherson at six and some are a little logistical you know, sides to their game. I'll be interested to see how they go against the Dragons uh, on Sunday night because the Dragons were, were super strong. Number eight. Uh, my last one is the Dragons. Again, we had them right down the bottom. It is only one game, but that effort was absolutely outstanding. They out-enthused, out-manned, and they did the simple things right. And we've said it before, when you're a coach, you've got to coach the players you have. That block, block, bullcrap, pre-line with players that are not naturally gifted ball players or organisers doesn't work. And with that forward pack, they did exactly what they should have done. Hunted as a pack, 
got over the advantage line, absolutely savaged the Panthers. And you see McInnes and even McCrone have an outstanding game just from the fact that they were able to go directly out of dummy half and out of the halves and play at the line. Very simple football. Yeah, uh, I've got the Dragons as well, at number eight. Um, I slotted them in. Just I couldn't leave them out because of how impressive they, they were. were. Whether they can back it up again this weekend exactly. is another question. The, and probably the notable omissions. Well, the three teams I had in my top eight that I didn't have in that eight are the Panthers, the Warriors, and the Sharks. Well, you mentioned a couple of them. I left the Warriors out. They almost lost to Newcastle. I can't take away from Newcastle. Though. They were brilliant. Parramatta, I thought, were pretty good, but similar to you. Uh, there's a little bit more I need to see. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Panthers and those terrible performances, I'm sure they'll pop back up, and hopefully they do pop back up. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that's the power rankings. Like you said, be subjective, guys. We've given you our ones. We'll put up on the page. Get your power rankings every week. It's just one of these things that's your own personal opinion on the top eight sides in the competition. But as we post it up, biggest issues, questions, stories coming out of round one. Some of your questions here. Uh, gossip himself and a lot of you on here so most of these will answer in one go talking about the Panthers lack of defensive structure especially on the goal line and I think this is pretty straightforward we've said it before you don't slide on your goal line you've got to move forward cut down time and space and Penrith weren't moving off their line it's not rocket science it's very easy to crash over when you're not meeting with momentum you're just standing flat yeah and they they didn't want to be physical they didn't want to do the tough stuff with the Dragons and no uh, that's 99% of what, the, what their problem was on the weekend. You know, they wanted to finesse the ball in attack and go around the Dragons and didn't want to do the tough stuff through the middle and that transferred over their defence as well. Yep, on with you. Adam Holgate thought the refereeing was inconsistent, mainly the Cowboys-Raiders game. Review the 60th minute watch Rapana attempt to stomp on Coot. Uh, I saw that bit of a lash. The clarity on the double movement call on the late Lua try. Again, I thought that was 50-50. He says, Knights look decent going down to the Warriors. was really impressed with the Eels' spine. Going to be a good season. We agree, mate. Um, I thought the 50-50 call maybe on the double movement. I, I kind of thought his arm was down. He didn't look like he lifted it, but I would have been happy either way. People were uh, complaining about their opponent forward pass. It wobbled a bit. I thought that could have been either way as well. So. The stomp, he's spot on about the stomp. I saw, I the, re- I saw the replayed lash. that and had a look at it. Well, he's in trouble. Mate's place and... A lot of people missed the double birdie, flipped the referees, but someone screenshot it and the NRL's picked up on today, so I don't know what's happening there. But yeah. after the no try, uh, running through and golden point there, I don't know if he's being fined or what's going on, but pretty yeah. silly on live TV to flip the bird to both the just Yeah, it's probably one area of his game he's got to look at. He's not real composed during games. No, definitely not. Mihal Maguire, Cronulla attack again, not good enough. Seems like Maloney was doing it on his own. I thought Wigan had a great defensive performance in the World Club Challenge, but maybe the Sharkies actually just poor going forward. Townsend flattered um, to deceive at times last year, got ho- got hooked in crunch playoff match. Now that the magic of Barber and Holmes, they're really looking out of ideas. Well, you well, may be getting the injection. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. It's round one, and last year I we, thought, had, we had... It seems like Maloney was doing it on his own. I thought I thought uh, Chad Townsend was probably well, better than He Maloney. created that try. He's the one who gave the spark that they really, really needed yeah. at that point in time where they were out of the game. But you've still got Holmes to come back. Brayley's going to get better, and we've just uh, talked in a couple of weeks. It looks like Seguiaro is closer and closer to coming there. So mm. they're going to improve. And last year we had people after two weeks saying... They're not going to make the eight and absolutely melting down. We say, give it time. They had a brand new spine. Look what happened. You won the comp. So. You could lose the first six games and still make the eight. You don't really know what's going on until about round eight to ten. When it kind of gets to that point, if your team's struggling, you should be a bit worried. Exactly. But uh, I wouldn't freak out too much just yet, me all. Uh, Andrew Pointer. What point should coach and medical staff overall players' decision to stay on the field after an injury? Also, one for gossip. Cowboys, the new Panthers, in terms of giving their fans heart attacks. Well, they don't mind having a close one, the old Cowboys, in recent times. I... 
sort of agree with that one. Uh, but as far as the medical staff and that, we've probably talked about the Greg English issue before. If you're busted, the coach and the medical staff should just get you off the field. You shouldn't be playing with 12 players or risking long-term injury and damage to the players' welfare. So Yeah, that's simple. As soon as uh, they know that it's something significant, or something that's going to require surgery, they should be off the field, in my opinion. Yep, agree. Uh, Jeremy Van Tempest, Greg Inglis is the obvious one, but on a positive, the bunk had a good first round. I agree. Great to see the referees making some decisions and playing on. Uh, he says the refing in Townsville and Lotto Land was disgraceful, though. Mm, just get used to it. It's, it's not going to get quick. Uh, it's not going to get better real quick. And... I still think, again, for all the Raiders fans out there disappointed, if you are a Raiders supporter, Jeremy, I do or don't know, but your own coach backed up today that they need to get the crap out of the game and it was at their own fault and Whitehead admitted the same as well, that probably nine out of the ten penalties they copped were for ill discipline with their own fault. So mm-hmm. I think it was just themselves. They're, they had a good year last year, a couple of players uh, you know, getting international raps and I thought there was a bit of ego and a bit too much swag going on instead of just playing rugby league. So yeah. a few blokes need to pull their heads in, I think they'll be fine. Uh, Ogres Akademir, sorry mate, I'm a bit average on pronouncing that one. Last year I was thinking Inglis is slowly becoming one of the more overrated players out there and now I'm thinking he's just broken down and done. Well, he's had a bit of a knee issue and some niggles for a while, but now that he's done his ACL... Well, no one plays more footy than Greg Inglis either. I think there was a stat last year or the year before. Or yeah, both, Origin, Australia. He played club. the most games. So, so there's a, definitely a welfare issue there in terms of you know career longevity in that he's playing a lot more games. So does that, in the end, disadvantage him? I think it probably does. He, he, he To go down like that in the first game of the year... Yeah. Wear and tear over yeah. time. It's catching up. I, what I can't understand, he's had problems with that knee before. Oh, Why wasn't it strapped? He's had strapping on both knees or one of the knees at least. Well, it wasn't strapped. Constantly for a, for a lifetime. So mm. uh, it has been a long time. David Boyle, what the F happened to Penrith? Well, I think we'll talk about that when we review the games, but pretty simple. They just didn't have a crack. Yeah. Uh, Why was Inglis allowed to continue to play? We've already touched on that champion. And thoughts on the Knights, I thought they played well. They were. They're Both great. 100% agree. I saw the trial a couple of weeks ago. was super impressed. The only problem, like we said, they basically have a group of 23, 24 players to take through this year. So once they lose players, and they've already lost Dylan Fithian for the year, um, it's going to feel the pinch. But there's probably a couple of kids in 20s in Cup that will get more time. They'll build up some depth, and they've got well, money. I, uh, I made that little prediction the Knights had win the NYC, and they came out flying on the weekend and smashed the Warriors. So they might even pull a few of those boys up. Well, again, it's just all about growth, isn't it? So uh, I think things Matty are definitely... Johns' young bloke went well. I didn't get to see that game, unfortunately. I was out You went real good. They, they smashed the Warriors. And they're always usually pretty big and good mm. in that competition. Stephen Gould brought reply to this one, but there was one team bad at football on Friday night, and it wasn't the Tigers. Think you blokes overrated the Bunnies and underrated West. Well, like we said, it's one round. The Tigers were outstanding. I hope they do have a better year. They've got the potential to, but they've yet to prove it over the last couple of seasons. So um, this would be the year to turn around. Jason Taylor's got what he's wanted. They've got rid of Robbie Farrar. All these spine players are in a contract year, so it's time to deliver, isn't it? Hopefully they do for your sake, Steve, mate. Uh, like I said, if I'm a Tigers fan, I would have been very frustrated in the last few years, but good start to the season for them. Mitch Bartholomew, the referee in the Cowboys-Raiders game, was embarrassing. Cummins needs to go. Yeah, he's rubbish. Well, again, I don't like Cummins either. A lot of people are not happy, but uh, Ricky Stewart and the Ask, um, ask uh, the Roosters what they think about Ooh, Ben they're not, they're not a fan. Sean Chan. Go back to Anzac Day last year. Yeah, Sean Chan. Thoughts on English staying off so long are actually damage done, but it was passenger. Well, they can't prove that. Like I said, basically before, if there was an MCL or a medial tear, structural integrity is then compromised, and then he ran for another 70 minutes. So they may have been the cause of his ACL injury. If he would have done his ACL initially, I reckon they would have taken him straight away. So, I don't know. I, um, I don't know how you 
I don't know, but like I said, a lot of people on here, the same question. So if we skip past it, it's mainly grieving list Panthers. Matt Timble, same deal. Panthers don't overact, but they got ambushed, especially up front. Uh, they read their own hype too much, mate, and hopefully they wake up a bit this week. Aaron Wood, why was Joe T not Simbin for a professional foul? Why is he so protected? I think he's talking about impeding on the run back. Andrew Voss blew up about it, saying he ran through on bumps and off the ball. Uh, I don't know. That's that's a penalty at best, man. I don't think it was going to cost them a try. I don't think Sandhill was about to run 80 metres other way and score. But if you do impede the bloke coming back on a quick 20 tap, I think you should at least get a penalty. Yeah, I think penalty, yeah. Simbin, no. No, bit too extreme. Pierce, Mac Ola, uh, the handling the Greg English injury. Should he sue the Rabbitoh? No. Well, so, he probably could. Well, I think they come out the side. I've read different bits saying they reckon he's absolutely filthy. You're never going to hear that personally from Greg's mouth, I no. bet. But I'm sure internally he'd probably be At least while he's not under contract and they're paying his bills. Yeah, well, that's the main thing, isn't it? And I think he'd be happy to know that Melbourne didn't come out today. He doesn't care if he plays. doesn't play a game all year. He's an important part of the rep saying if he's healthy at the back end of the year, he'll be in the World Cup squad. So... Mm. Uh, I think that might well, be something. How are you going to, how's he going to play when his legs no good? Like, yeah. You at least need to give it enough time and put it through some rigours. Like, put him in the World Cup squad. What if he comes out and does the same thing? Yeah, well, that's it. But uh, I'm sure he wouldn't knock the spot back if his rehab finished. William Robinson, Raiders were robbed. I feel awful for England. Storm looked awesome. Panthers need to fix fence fast. Agree. I don't think the Raiders, think the Raiders were robbed. People were whinging about that forward pass. I think the biggest thing... If I you're thought a, it was a forward pass. I could go either way, and I think the double movement, they may have got a bit lucky as well, so I think it's a bit I of a... Thought the, I thought it was a double movement. I think it's a one-for-one one in that sense. He unnaturally progressed his body in the ball. That's yeah. a double movement. Yeah, I think uh, that one's a bit one way. They got both, and the penalties I can justify. They cost themselves ill-discipline. Yeah. Uh, Justin White, can the video ref call up foul play, or does he have to be asked by the on-field, e.g. the Leilua punch? Well, I saw the jab. I'm pretty sure they can get told by a touchy or the people up in the bunker there, but it seems to be when they've passed on something or told a player to go away, they kind of just turn a bit of a blind eye to it. So, um, yeah, it's a bit hard, that one. Sometimes they seem to duck and dodge those calls. I don't read too much into it. Danny Levi kind of threw a similar one on Sunday, and no one's really mentioning that in that Warriors game when he tore up Lasono's jersey. So, mm, well, they can, but I guess it has to be when the play's been stopped. Yeah. Like, can you check it, mate? Or like, on the run, they're not going to be able to do it. No. Adam Blewett, Penrith return styles, unfortunately, especially Cartwright. Yeah, well, I think we've all touched on this. Horrible. Uh, Sean McCann, GEI remaining on the field for as long as he did. Yeah, we've talked about this. What happened to the Panthers? Patrick Rout. Refereeing, piss poor, Bradley Lewis. All the things we've touched on. Johnny Samarxis. Uh, sorry, mate, again, about names. What happened to Penrith? Uh, Greg Milburn, Penrith reading their own height. Lots of Penrith hate and lots of people pissed off at the refs already, <laughs> like I said. And Greg Inglis. Paul Agirios, has McGregor been in touch with Dank? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, I don't know, mate. I don't think so. I think they were just angry because they've been copping it a fair bit. So uh, that was the Facebook stuff, Twitter. Gav at Ernie Oz, which debutantes first grade and club impress you? Or club debut, you'd probably say Luke Keery. Was, oh, uh, he was exceptional. Yeah. One of the massive ones, debutantes. There wasn't really that many ones. There was a couple, couple of blokes there. I thought Cotterick was solid. Without I thought being Paul Vaughan was exceptional for the Dragons. He was brilliant on uh, his club debut there. First grade debut. I'm trying to think about who did debut last week. I think Moses Sully, considering I've he did well. never seen him play. He made one or two errors early on, but some of the footwork coming back in and finishing those trials off, he beat three or four players and did a really nice job for an 18-year-old. He's played two half games of 20s. So he basically hasn't played 20s or cup. Yeah. And he's just playing great. He doesn't need so. to. Nah, they're, they're the only ones I can really think of about first grade debuts last week, to be honest. Well, there weren't many. Nah. There, I think there was five, maybe, or four. Um, I can't Fithian? 
Was he a... Nah, he, that's third David? game. He was played it? two back in the last year as hooker, but the poor bastard did his ACL, so... I thought he was pretty good while he was on the field. He was solid. Uh, thanks for that one, Gav. Chris Crow, if Bulldog shifted Reynolds to nine and had a proper kicking half, could they make the eight? Yes. I've been saying that for friggin' 18 yeah, months. we've said a million times. should be doing. Reynolds is a nine. He'll bring that spark. Leisha mm. doesn't suit that system. Should be pushed out. The Buckster, which team and which player was the biggest letdown in round one? For me, it was Penrith and DCE. Well, Penrith was easy. Which player? For me, Martin Tapao, man. Yeah, four or five drop footballs. Hold on to the ball, Marty. And Lift as much weight penalties. as you want, champion. But... And then now he's suspended again. Yeah, exactly. Man. Lots of money for... Team, a... obviously Penrith, yeah. Yeah, I agree there. Luke Tomlins, did the Warriors convince anyone they'll be a force in 2017? Manly's error count and Chooks clocking off after half time. Uh, I think the Warriors, another one is one, suck it and see, but you know they're probably going to get six or seven wins during Origin. So if they win a couple of games early, which they never usually do, you can almost book them in, I think. I think by Origin time, if they've got four or five wins, yeah. they'll basically be a guarantee, but usually they never start. They're going to be, well. be there or thereabouts. They always are. They yeah. miss out by one but or two wins. Starting, get in by this one start of the year is always what hurts them. I reckon if they get to six wins, they're a shoo-in, because you know you're in Origin, that eight-week period, they'll probably win another six games. The side they've got, they should be top four. Yeah, 100%. Joey, the Dragons attack. Hmm. Well, it was simplified. Simple. They played fast, direct. Straight. Their forward pack dominated. He told the halves just to play off the back of it. They played direct, and McInnes carved up, scored a try, set one up. Not really a well-known runner, more of a defender. But when you got ruck speed like that... Well, they just kicked Penrith's door in. Yeah, you just play, play, close it. play flat and play direct. They didn't do anything really special, and they should keep doing it every week. That's exactly. simple, because they don't have the tools. That's exactly what the Bulldogs should be doing. Exactly. We've been saying that for four years, and nothing's changed. Uh, Dave Spadaro, what... Uh, is the importance of the contact me- uh, contact meters after contact? Sorry, from a coach's perspective, it's a new stat on channel. Well, it's like run after catch in the NFL. Well, well it's, it's valuable because it, you're yeah. making yards after you've been tackled. Well, basically. two things: it's the effectiveness of the carry, and also if you're making yards after contact, it's you're the obviously of the tackle. dominating the play, and you're probably going to quick play the ball. So there's many things that count about this. Yeah, so it's good leg speed and ability to get in between players and drive through, um, but it's also you'd look at it and say, well. If, if I'm conceding a lot, my yep. tackle isn't very good. Well, it, the other thing you look at, if you've had 15 carries in a game for 120 metres and just about every time you put on the ground and you only made, say, 15, 20 metres out of that, you weren't really effective on your carries. Mm. If you've had 17 carries for 210 metres and 50 or 60 of those are after contact and it's outdone the amount of times you've had carries and eight-metre carries and getting out the advantage line, well, then obviously you've been pretty dominant. Yeah. So. Uh, the last one we have here, Nigel Huntley. He's got a bit of a gripe with the golden point system that the points scored during that time go towards for and against. So a team uh, who has won all their games in regular time, basically what he's saying, may miss out on a top four or top eight spot due to for and against for someone who's won a couple of golden point games, which he finds unfair and bullshit, to be quite frank. I don't really have an issue with it. I don't think you're not going to try and play golden point games. No, but I think he had an idea like you did the other year that the points should be given three for a win, two for a golden point, one for a draw. I think that was something you floated once or twice when we talked about golden point oh, games and results. Four for a win, three for a golden point win, and two two for a golden point loss, and maybe one for a, I don't know. How yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think it has a massive effect, Nigel, but I can see where you're coming from if it did ever happen, but I think it'd be a very rare case if it ever did pop up, but... Uh, that wraps that up. That's all the fan questions. Thanks for all your feedback. We'll post some stuff up later about your power rankings and get them. But set of six is a new thing. Feel free during the week to put stuff up. We'll ask you about any issues you want discussed on that. Fan questions will be as normal. And, uh, yeah, obviously, that's what we've got going for this year. So we'll put power rankings up. Reviewing the games for the weekend, smashing through these. Kicking off was Cronulla and the Broncos, 26-18 to 18, the Broncos. 
the Sharks started fast right from the kickoff, dragged them back in the end goal. I thought they were very aggressive, Brock, but they couldn't get out of their own half in yardage. They kept dropping the football and penalties killed them in the end. Yeah, errors, penalties killed them. They got back into the game there with about 20 to go and they made another error and Brisbane scored. So, yeah. Well, Brisbane were good. Kicking game was a little bit questionable, I thought, at times. tackle options were terrible. And other than that, I thought they executed fairly well and it was a good pick oh, Pick me up after how they played in England because they were ordinary in England. Yeah, I thought their op- error was the opposite. They were making errors in good ball. They made early kicks, second and third tackle, yeah. dropped football. They should have honestly won by more, but the amount of early turnovers in good ball was very disappointing. Um, I thought Darius Boyd, Matt Gillette were exceptional and Corey Oates. He was, that's one thing I'm worried about. Their forwards kind of got dominated for most of that game there by the Sharks. Corey Oates looked to be the only guy that was really bending the line back. And he was taking the hardest carry, the first initial one off the ruck. So The player I want to give her up to was Luke Lewis. I thought he was Outstanding. unbelievable. Uh, their ruck speed and their, the Sharks' D is exceptional, but they, their discipline, again, uh, cost them discipline and errors. And it's a big win for Brisbane. Like oh, going down there, defending premiers away from home and getting a win. It's a big result. Absolutely massive. And this week, obviously, these two teams, the Broncos play the Cowboys at home. Big game for them. And Cronulla head down to Canberra. So a massive game. Could be 0-2 to start the year, so see what happens there. Doggy Storm, uh, 12-6 to the Storm. Two tries in the first 10 minutes completely blew me away, and they could have been up by more, but Munster dropped uh, that ball there where they were almost borderline being 18-zip. This game had a lot of niggle. They had no Harris, no Slater, lost Bromwich early, and then they've got a couple of new players in. I couldn't believe uh, that they got the job done realistically, but this probably highlights more so. Again, the Bulldogs not willing to adapt. Nothing's changed. They struggled inside 20. They were just absolutely rubbish as far as trying to score any points. And even with the bad weather in the second half, they had all the football on Melbourne's line, repeat sets. They couldn't find anything. Yeah, I think it was pretty clear even the first half was dry weather. It was perfect conditions and Melbourne were dominating them. So second half, I'd take nothing out of the second half because it was a mud bath and it ruined the game and ruined the spectacle, but I think Melbourne were the better side and they grafted out a good win. Yeah, very impressed by uh, Addo Carr on debut, looked to put some size on him and Sully were very, very good and wrapped all the forwards because they had to chip in. People forget that you have no prop to no Harris, no Bromwich. Bromwich almost plays a full game. That ruined our rotation as far as the bench is concerned, but mm. uh, Felice, Kenny, all these guys had to chip in. McLean played 57 minutes, did a really good job. And well, Cameron Smith, like Freak. What, what, do you, what else do you say about him? The other thing I've got to touch on, people don't know who Riley Jacks is. He's been a first grader, but he's been at the wrong clubs. He's played at the Roosters when they were dominant, so he couldn't get in, and he was at the Dogs when they made grand finals. Yeah. Went up to Q Cup last year, got player of the year for Sunshine Coast. People are asking why Croft didn't play. I think this is quite simple. You're a coach, you can maybe back out. Maybe you don't agree. When you've got a big guy, 102 kilos, who you know is a first grader, come in in a wet conditions against a big forward back on a hard day compared to a small 19-year-old who's going to get hammered in wet conditions and it's going to be hard for him to defend. Mm. I think it was a pretty safe choice. He made 36 tackles, didn't miss one. I just think, I genuinely think that Bellamy thinks Riley Jacks is better than Croft. Well, at this point, but I think that situation was made and for I him. And I tend to agree. And he's older and he's more mature and 36 tackles, no but misses. I thought he did a great based job. Based on what I saw, Brody Croft is going to be a player in the pipeline yep. and he'll get better over the next but few years exactly. and he'll get some time during Origin. Exactly. But why would you burn him in that situation? I looked at I, it. I don't think he's burning. I just think he thinks that Roller Jackson's better. Well, I thought Simple. he did his job and he was great. He did, he was. Um, dogs, same old, same old. The O needs improvement. There needs to be some change. Yeah, so. let's not talk about it. Move on from them. But uh, they got the Roosters this week. That's a hard one. Straight up again. And the Storm obviously got the Warriors. And the Warriors generally a team that gives them some trouble. So we'll wait and see what happens there. Tigers 34-18 over South. They got an easy try early on. And then they were just absolutely blown away. Um, 
They were poor in every single area. Or similar, errors, penalties. Errors, penalties, out and through, slow to the middle, one out, getting wrestled, getting dominated uh, by a smaller side, to be honest. And then yardage, they got absolutely murdered. Nofaluma in particular absolutely tore them apart. They couldn't tackle him, but uh, the forwards were all very, very good. Offloads, line breaks, all that kind of stuff. They just absolutely blew South off the park, who were flat, slow and predictable. One of the only guys who really stood out to me, like I said, was the 19-year-old, Sefer Talakai, who took some strong carries and was powerful, but there wasn't a whole lot to like about South. There wasn't, mate. There was not. I thought Robbie Farrell was pretty good, to be fair. Um, pretty solid. He tried hard. Uh, Tedesco. Of that. Yeah. You saw Tedesco live. He's an absolute freak. Oh, he's just a step ahead of everyone, like in terms of his quickness. I thought Kyle Turner played pretty solid. He, he's a he's grafter. Safe. He's a grafter, but... You know, Damien Cook looked good when he got time, but Too he, should, he should have been on when Inglis got injured. So well, I thought I was on the right money. Luke this. Kelly, I don't know how he's, no, how he's getting to go. How am I not on the money what I said last week before they even named it? You wouldn't name him, would you? No. You would have said Johnson's playing fullback, Robbie's well, playing play seven, Robbie Walker's seven. playing six, Cook's playing nine. Surely that's as simple as that. Or you move Sutton to six. Like, there's a whole heap of ways you can do it. Well, I just couldn't believe well, that. That's how I play now. I'd move Sutton to six. I'd play Cody Walker at fullback. You've seen and Kelly. I'd have Robbie Farrah playing. You've seen um, enough of Kelly seven. over six. Years now in and out of grade to know that you don't want him playing first. Alex, grade. Even to me, Alex Johnson's not a good fullback. No, not really. He's not physical enough. He's not tough enough. I would- hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I've been happier playing somebody Cody else. Cody Walker, man, if he's he getting the ball on a sweep or picking it up from on kick return, man, I'm worried about him. He's he fast. He's not afraid to take yeah. the one on. He's uh, probably, to me, he's close to their best player at this point in time. I thought last year, but watching him every other night, he tried very hard. But I also oh, look, and I think that South have got good back row depth. They've got Robbie Rocco on the bench. They've got hey, Cherrington. Angus Crichton. Angus Crichton. There's yeah. a lot of guys. They need to bring some dynamic back. And I know, I don't know what's going on with Georgia if he's and not Dave, happy. Dave Tyrrell. Like, the game's Awful. almost gone past Dave Tyrrell. Too he's slow. Got no leg speed and. I don't know what the gripe is with George Burgess, but they need to sort that out very quickly. Well, he's in the squad this week. They need. He was in last week, but he dropped him straight away. He was uh, starting front row. Well, Tom Burgess is in name this week. Oh, God. I don't know if he's injured or what the deal is there, yeah. but um, I thought Zane Musgrove probably going to be grappled on. He got even manhandled a few times, so I think yeah. they need George. He's a, he's a kid, but... Yeah, they need George, Tom, everybody on board. Even Sam was a little quiet, but they were just blown off the park. Uh, the Tigers this week, they're going to be playing the, the Penrith Panthers out there at Campbelltown. So all the blokes out there, you don't get many games. Make sure you get out and watch the Tiggy Tigers. And South Sydney, it doesn't get... Oh, well, they played Manly without three of their four starting props. Uh, even though they've lost Inglis, this is a winnable game if they change their attitude dramatically. Let's see what happens. 42-10, the Dragons over Penrith. Well, all I can say is they were bashed, manhandled, out-enthused, absolutely dominated. The forwards were exceptional, and not only that whole forward pack for the Dragons, Vaughan, Packer, Sims off the bench, Host did a job, everyone did a job there, but Lafay in particular, who was very, very quiet, and Nene McDonald did a massive job in yardage. Everybody got on the back of it. Dugan enjoyed the roll-on, McInnes enjoyed the ruck speed, the halves played direct, McCrone had a blinder for Christ's sake. It's not hard when you just absolutely blow the ruck up and you're making 10 metres before you make any contact and just constantly moving forward onto the football. Mm. 
I think there will be some changes made. The Dragons were really good. Their forwards were dominant. Their leg speed was exceptional. Yeah. I thought they just Jack blew through the door of Penrith. Like Penrith just could not hold on to them. Jack DeBell, I don't know what he's drinking or what's going on there, but some of the offloads, tackle breaks, and just some of the yeah, contact. Yeah, I, I just think they got a sniff early. The Dragons at Penrith weren't on, and they just went on with it. There was a pack mentality. They were. They were, they were there was no grubbiness about some of the stuff, and they got errors or bought, but they were all hunting together. They were really just angry yeah, and hungry for it, and they fast, wanted yeah. to bash Penrith, so I was really impressed. I really, really was. So was I. I, I uh, give all the credit to the Dragons, none to Penrith, and no. Penrith have got not going to get any easier because they're a similar sort of kryptonite. The Tigers are going to be big, strong through the middle, fast, and they've got good, strong outside backs, same as the Dragons. So. Well, they need to toughen up. I thought Tarmel was nowhere to be seen, and now Hiku is out with a fractured eye socket to go along with Watini and Mansour, so outside backs. I thought, Dylan Edwards comes under the wing. So. Yeah, I thought Moylan tried pretty hard, still made a couple of bad errors, and I thought Peachy tried hard, as he always does, but there wasn't a whole lot positive uh, out of that for Penrith. So. I, I can't believe Tim Brown gets a run there. No, I'm with you. I didn't think you'd be in there. I'd have Akawala before I have him. Kikau's in this week, Rain's in. Would you, you honestly, though, last week, Akawala or Brown? I'd have Akawala. Oh, no, well, I'd have anyone over Brown. Well, there you go. So, uh, yeah, there's a few things there, but if things don't change, there's plenty of depth. New South Wales Cup side, very good. Uh, there might be a couple of changes. So, Panthers, they play the Tigers this week. The Dragons, they play the Eels. So, interesting to see week two if uh, these teams can maintain the rage. Cowboys Canberra, we talked about twenty to sixteen. They won that one gold point. That was a cracker game. It was fast. It was intense. I think we got a preview of two teams that are definitely probably going to be there for the final four if they stay healthy. Um, the big thing for me was discipline at the end for Canberra. Mm. Layla and Rapana in particular starting a little niggle, lots of fights, lots of unnecessary crap, and they still almost won the game. Scored with a man off the field, and they're missing Jack White and Junior Paulo, Jared Croker. But the thing that's glaringly standing out for me again is their halves. Yeah. I think Caesar's nearly absent or absent from the game and Blake Austin had a couple of runs and he even disappointed me as well getting involved in the niggle. He seemed me to press someone's face in the ground and he's the last person who should be doing that because you You're right. That's the, that was the difference in the game was the halves. Well, they almost won um, without yeah. those three players and, and their halves. Croker, yeah. And I'm, they almost won the game. So I'm not trying to, like I said, any camera fans out there, I've got a soft spot and I've been there and I've Love the place, but honestly, they could blow anyone off the park. They just need to get rid of that little bit, get these few blokes back, and they could be near unstoppable. Mm. But just some little bits of ego were creeping in there for me, um, and just some of the niggle and bits and pieces, and uh, they didn't need it. Take the penalty, take half those penalties away, make it 7 4. Cameron probably win that game. Yeah. But they absolutely torched themselves. So uh, I think the Cowboys are obviously going to improve. Lots of guys off tour. Tamalolo, absolutely exceptional. You know who really impressed me coming off the bench was Paddy Kafusi. He was good. He did a real good job along with Bolton and Hess. Only got a short stint, but my God, did he make the most Hess of the game. Yeah. He's, uh, he's going to be some sort of player, and I'm scared to think that They look similar to me in what Melbourne do, in that their young bench, I think, was a weakness last year. Yeah. Similar to what we said about Melbourne Asiata last year. He's a hell of a player. He kind of got froze out last year, but he's got so much skill. You know, they've got Fenson there now as well. They've got yeah. Ponga, Gellar Mosby, Bowen, Hess, Asiata, Bowen. Kafusi, that pick for the try, that intercept, that yeah. was uh, that was a real decent play at that point in time. So it was a big play. Uh, Canberra, like I said, get some players back this week. Polo, White, and Bits of Pine posted up today, like a maybe a busted hand. So they might be missing him. He was he was He's pretty out. good. He, he was, was very good. Uh, he was very good. So that's going to hurt, but partly exceptional. There's a lot there to like for Canberra. So all you Canberra fans, there plenty of positives. They play the Sharkies at home, the Cowboys. They play the Broncos in Brisbane. Titans Roosters 32 18, 28-0 at half time. Uh, that has got absolutely lit up. And as you mentioned before, 
well, we mentioned a couple of years ago, I didn't think there was anything more exciting than watching the Roosters play as a pair of halves because they're the only team that linked as halves and didn't play one side of the field. I saw that again the other night. I love the way they're running the football and they've got a new shape or a bit of a change to their structure, as you mentioned. Yeah. So I really enjoyed watching them play. No, they linking up and passing flat. I thought they were playing flat when they yeah. got a roll on. They got direct. over the ad line and playing direct. And that was good. They, yeah. they just carved the Titans to pieces. I thought they took a lot out of what the Warriors sort of did to the Titans at the back end of the trial game. Yeah. And for me, the one key for the Titans over the off-season was to fix their defence, and they haven't fixed it. Yeah, middle defence we talked about was absolutely terrible. Um, The scary thing for me, and they kind of started to invent this the other year, the bench is so important. Um, I liked Ryan Madison, and I thought he was a big boy. I thought the other night he showed that he's going to be very valuable. His time on the field was great. He's got the ability, a bit like a Wade Graham, he can kick the ball, he can pass the ball. But he also skittled a few people because he's just such a big human. And I think the key to them for those last couple of years has been such a dynamic bench. Kane Evans looked like he's gone up another level this preseason confidence-wise. It's also a contract year, but him and Napa to me were better than Jared. I know Jared's still coming off an injury, yeah. but those two were exceptional. Madison was good. They didn't even have to use Watson, but Liu coming off the bench and Tokiara to come back. They've got one of these benches again that can change a game, and they're just very dynamic. So, yeah. What did you think about the two Poms? Uh, yeah, I thought Sargentson tried hard. I he did a lot of work, but honestly didn't have a great effect. He shuffled way too... He's, again, the outside backs, for some reason, from England, to me, just don't work over it. Mm. He shuffled too much sideways. He got caught out a couple of times in defence. He's not one that... And I watch a lot of Super League. He does, he's not one for me out. that I didn't. I would think would be successful over here. No, nah, I was quite surprised. I think Greenwood will get better. He'll, he'll get some more time. Very young. Yeah, he is. He's big, but big not, he didn't look thick, but he just looks big. Yeah, um, he is. Big frame. So he'll. I think he'll get better. I think Sargentson will get better as well, but I don't I'll know give. whether... I just don't know whether he's going to be suited and effective as what the Titans thought he would be. Yeah, well, Taylor went off with a bit of a knee niggle. was a bit worried there, but apparently all good. Uh, I'm going to give a rap to Ignatius Passing. He tried very, very hard when he got to change Brian James is good. And Ryan James was your best player by more. He yeah. took a million carries, busted his ass, and he didn't whinge or do any of the stupid stuff. He looks like he's really he's cleaned maturing. up. Yeah. And taken he's now captain. Captain's roll on, so uh, good on him, but hopefully a better performance this week. For them, they're playing Newcastle, uh, and the Roosters, they play the Dogs. But the Warriors versus Newcastle, speaking of that, 26-22, uh, new side, no foreign, some young forwards. I think Newcastle were absolutely brilliant and probably deserved that win, to be honest, as far as the full effort over the 80, but... Burned very, very late by none uh, other than uh, Roger Tuivasa-Shek making that line break, getting the Warriors on the front foot, and they grabbed a try. But mm. still very, very patchy on and off. The normal stuff you'd expect from the Warriors. But I think you look at Roger Tuivasa-Shek, he was exceptional. Good to see him back. And I think they've got one of the most dynamic center pairings. David Pushy, too, I've had wraps on for the last couple of years. But him and Soli Manikata, uh, I think they're going to have a cracky year, that pair. But... The one that was disappointing and he went off injured and still looked a bit overweight and a bit flat was Isaac Luke for me. Yeah, I don't know what to make of the performance of the Warriors, whether you know they were pushed right to the brink by a good Newcastle side or that we're maybe overrating the form of Newcastle a little bit because the Warriors weren't very good. So I'll be interested to see how they both go this weekend. But from on the surface and what I saw, I saw a Newcastle side that played very, very strong, tough, 
gritty footy for 80 minutes, and I saw the Warriors flash in and out of the game yeah. and just do enough to win. So, Like you said, Sean Johnson had moments in that sense as well when he ran the football a few times, but there wasn't... They just that. need to get off the back fence. And I thought Ryan Hoffman, that was probably the best game he's had for the Warriors. Well, I, I thought it was better than any game I saw him play last year. He's got a point to prove now because Kearney's basically walked him in and said, we've got Harris, the money you've got's going to him and you're not wanted next year. So he's obviously looking to prove a point. Well, he's looking not to kick stones and obviously prove a point that he still wants to play in the NRL next year. So mm. you're right, he had a blinder, Mannering. I thought a foal was pretty solid on debut, but there was just some errors from some guys. You know, Vente, yeah. Lasone is a good footballer, but he pushed the pass a couple of times. There's just some simple stuff they need to clean up. And that's why I said before the season, I don't know about the pack if I can trust him every week. Yeah. There's a lot of young guys, there's a lot of responsibility. Mannering and Hoffman can lead things, but the key positions, mainly those props and those guys they need the roll on from. They need to step it up a little bit and clean the act up. So, yeah, agree. see where they go from here. Full credit, Denny Levi. I thought he was sharp. thought Lamb was solid. Uh, Nathan Ross, absolutely exceptional. Mitch Barnett. Mitch Barnett's a gun. Mattaudi has taken really well to the back row spot, too. I, has, I, I think they've got a pair of back rows long-term right now in those two. And the Safidis, people forget, they're only 20 and only started playing football three, four years ago. So, still some development there. Newcastle, you go home to play the Titans this week. The Warriors, they play the Storm in New Zealand. And the last game to review, Manly versus the Eels. It was 2012. The Eels got the win. Uh, I think this one's pretty silly. Oh, sorry, pretty easy to sum up, as we said. It was a very tough physical game. I quite enjoyed it. But Manly, error penalties killed themselves. And in particular, uh, Tapia, he dropped maybe four footballs and got suspended. And Adam Fenua Blake, another guy with some great talent. He gets himself suspended, and then Lloyd Perrett fractures his eye. So the end result, mm. losing three or four uh, front row rotation, which really hurts this week. But they just really put themselves out of that game, to be honest, by kept dropping football and putting Parramatta in positive positions. And full credit to Corey Norman in particular. He forced seven dropouts and just built pressure. What about the 40-20 kicks? Oh, ridiculous. It was like an AFL kick. Yeah, he was, was running sideways, crazy. hooked it, and it just bounced for him like... Some players, when, you, when you're when you just getting to a different level, things like that happen for you. Yeah, and that looks, was insane. Looks to be a freak. Yeah. Uh, well, this was very probably the most physical game of the weekend. You they ripped who, into each other. You know who impressed me? Uh, just on the slight, especially defensively, and just with work, which he, he doesn't usually look for. I thought Michael Jennings had a really good game. He did have a good game. Um, and yeah. Semi-Rad Rowe was pretty good attitude-wise, considering the situation. I'm sure Brad Arthur would have addressed everything, except we need you to just have a good 12 months for us. But Yeah. I think there's improvement there. The spine looked safe without being outstanding, but Gutherson was solid. Pritchard did a good job. I thought French was a little quiet, but he chimed in at the right times. There's French, great. French got three daily end points. I couldn't believe that. I thought Norman. Norman. How did Norman not get three points? Crazy. Norman was head and shoulders the best. Seven dropouts, scored Crazy. a try off his own kick, kicked the foot. What else do you want him to do? Yeah, I know. He was head and shoulders. Taking out of the game, do they win? Well, no. They don't win, full stop. No, well, you put him on manly. That's what you bring out. Well, yeah. As simple as this. You take Corey Norman out, what happens? They lose that game. They don't score half those points. Um, I think the Ford Pack's got some growth as well for them. So, mm. Not bad by Parra. Manly, like I said, ill-disciplined. Two of their front rows suspended. Lloyd Perrin injured. Not a great start to the year for them. I thought Jake Trevojevic was head and shoulders their best player. He just spears and everything without any fear. Tom was okay, but not a lot of opportunity when you don't have any football. And to be honest, I said it last week and I'll say it again, I'm not threatened by their back row at all. Um, no. Curtis Sheeran and Frank Winnerstein, I think between them, like 48 metres and 60 metres, you look for your back row to have someone next to them they can tip to, someone they really rely on, be their security blanket, hit a hole for them. I think that's a real weakness. So um, I think going forward... They don't really have a worker that, there, do they? That, that's an area there that they don't really have an exceptional player. 
if Tapio could clean his act up, I'd probably move him onto an edge, but they don't really have anyone to replace him in the middle. So no. that's why we're saying the Manly fans out there, I think the spine's pretty good, maybe bar Coruscant, but they still have some turning over to do and some market work to do this year, I think, as far as recruitment is concerned. Yeah. But that sums up and wraps up all our reviews of the games from the weekend. So you've got our new structure. We did the set of six. You can uh, send us some stuff during the week from now on about issues you want us to talk about. Power rankings we'll also put up for you guys to give us your power rankings during the year. Fan questions will continue. Game previews will continue. And now, as always, we'll jump in and finish off with Mr. Gossip, see what he's got going on, and obviously go through the tips and any of the odds brought to you by WilliamHill.com. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with WilliamHill.com. Round one is in the can, and we are back with the one, the only, Mr. Gossip. What's going on, champion? Oh, I've been in hiding for a couple of days, boys, after that terrible performance from my Panthers. Oh. Absolutely devastated. Mate, it's been pretty quiet around the traps around here. I had one of my best mate's brothers put up. It's only hours until this year's Premiership favourite start their season. He took a photo in his jersey, and he got absolutely obliterated after they got beat by 42. So what a dickhead is all I can say. Mate, <laughs> Keep your head down, you don't get shot. Yeah, exactly. Now, I don't think he's the only one. The boys all believe their own hype, believe the bookies, and they just didn't turn up. No, they certainly didn't. Box said your mob are uh, not the best start. They rallied back a little bit in the second half, but obviously beaten as well by oh, the Chuckies. They were awful. Yeah, it wasn't a great first half. Awful. And to give them a wrap in the second half is only really saying that the Roosters took their foot off the pedal. I don't, yeah. the, the game's gone. It's easier to play when the game's gone. 28-0, that's embarrassing. It was terrible. Um, again, as usual, whenever I have a little bit of doubt in my team, even missing two international back rowers, yeah, Bromwich and a half, they still win. And you're the Bulldogs idiot. still can't attack. So nothing has changed there. But, mate, kicking us off, there is a little bit cooking, considering it's so early in the year. What's in the bag? Yeah, a few little things. Um, we mentioned late in the piece last year about James Seguiaro, and we said that, He'd be off to the Sharks. That's still happening. It's a two-year deal. He's already training, so I'd expect him to be on the park in the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, is he going to really inject the Sharks, boys? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. As long as he stays on track, because I saw him a couple of weeks ago when I went out for a retirement party, and I've seen him a few times more recently, and he just doesn't look like he's in a good way. He's just been on the cans every time I've seen him everywhere. So hopefully this is a bit of a rebirth. I know he's friends with Wade Graham, and they've obviously got some older players that will hopefully pull him into line. And you want to see him play good football, don't you? Because he's an absolute rip of talent. But I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on off the field. I'm just judging it on a, on field from an on-field perspective. And if you get him and you get Holmes and they both play well... Yeah. Well, the forward back suits they're him. pretty much got the same size as they had last year. So yeah. I, I think if he clicks and Holmes clicks, they'll be a top four side. I think... Holmes is almost a certainty, but Seguiara, as long as his head's in the right space, that forward pack will suit him to the ground down, and he'll love playing with that side. So fingers crossed he gets himself back on track. Yeah, it does concern me a little bit. He needs the right environment, and to go to the boys' club, early mate, I'm not too sure that's the right environment, but hopefully he, he proves me wrong. Yeah, well, fingers crossed, mate. What else is cooking? All right, James Tedesco. That's probably one of the big ones that we'll probably be talking about for the next couple of weeks. Um, Roosters fans seem uh, pretty confident that they're going to get him, uh, but my money is he will stay with the Tigers. Well, I've heard similar to you. They were talking three years around two point seven million, so close to the three million mark, and they'd be crazy not to throw the kitchen sink. I know people 
mentioned injuries, but when he's on the field, he's their best, player, uh, absolute best player by a country mile, and I think he's a shoe in to be the New South Wales number one again. We should be the New South Wales number one. There Absolutely. shouldn't be any argument about he that. He was uh, watching him live on Friday. He was head and shoulders above everyone on the field, and a, a yard quicker, even in the wet. He just looked a yard quicker, which was incredible considering the conditions and the weather and the fact it's round one. Uh, look, I, I'd like to see him stay at the Tigers, yeah. but you know, Roosters have got plenty of cash, so it wouldn't surprise me if he if he went there. And you know, with the way that the Roosters played on the weekend, well, Latrell Mitchell being English Escort sitting on that left side, he doesn't didn't quite have the motor last year, did he? To play fullback by the looks of it, he's obviously going to get fitter. But if you can park him on the left, Ferguson on the right, have Gordon there for a year to stabilise things, and then they somehow snag Tedesco, mm. Jesus Christ, that'd be pretty scary next year with that forward pack and the halves pair they've got. Yeah, if they get Tedesco, they'd be as close to. Unbeatable as any side's ever looked, wouldn't mm. they? Like you know, and they've got a pretty much an international forward pack. Ridiculous, even to think about it. To be honest, and Tokiaho's still got to return. It was probably their most consistent forward last year in a bad season before he blew his ACL out. So, yeah. uh, I'd like to see him at the Tigers as well, even though I'm not a big fan uh, of how the clubs handle their business in general. But James Tedesco, to me, I think that's where he's going to end up. And fingers crossed for you, Tigers. Yeah, when, we, when we say un, when I say unbeatable, I mean you know on paper. Yeah, ridiculous. On paper, they're going to look ridiculous. So. Ridiculous, but um, hopefully he does stay at the Tigers. Yep. Boys, another one we touched on towards the back end of last year was Jordan McLean and where he was going to go. We weren't too sure, but the money I'm getting is that he's off to the Cowboys, so that will be a, a good signing for the Cows. Yeah, well, I had a bit of mail about this similar to you, that the Matt Scott situation, obviously he was looking pretty big coin in a longer deal. They offered 600 a season for two years, but only one year, and the option for the second year was in their favour. And they're thinking, like most clubs, again, it is a business, is... Why would we pay you that when we can snag the 25-year-old who's borderline playing reps for, you know, the same money, basically? And he hasn't had two neck surgeries or anywhere near as many problems. So I think they're thinking more long-term with McLean, which I can understand. But it would be pretty sad, I think, to see Scott finish his career at Newcastle or somewhere else. Yeah, I get their thinking, though. I I, I'm thinking, with them 100%. Matt Scott's carried a lot of injuries, and he's my favourite prop in the comp. Most people who listen to the podcast. You can't regularly. pay nine hundred, no, can you? No, 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 no. Exactly. No. I, uh, from an economic standpoint, it makes no sense at all. So, uh, I'd, I'd definitely go with Jordan McLean, and yeah, I, I do love Matty Scott. So, it it would also be Melbourne probably aren't going to want to pay overs for him because they've got a lot of good young props here as well. So, it just sort of makes sense that he's going to go to the Cowboys, I think, when you look at everything and weigh it all up. Well, you think the situation I'm looking at is the money that's going to be freed up already from Proctor and Harris. I yeah, OK, well, that makes sense. Yeah, I good. think they'll be able to make a competitive off of it. At the you're end going to have day. to buy like for like. Like, you're going to have to replace what you're losing. So they're going to have to go and buy some back rowers. Well, we're going to have to buy a lot at the moment. And yeah. the talk also, I don't know if you've got it in your mailbag as well, uh, gossip, but Dale Finuc and I heard did a tour of Newcastle and they were talking almost 650000 for him to go there as well. So there's a lot of clubs pillaging. Ah, uh, that Melbourne forward yeah. Well, why not? What a player! He'd be a great asset to the Knights. And geez, they played us some hard on the weekend tonight. Oh, well, based on that, they, they won't finish last if they play all that. Well, the Dragons no, won't either from the way they played. I think the Titans. No. The Titans, to me, after the weekend, look the dead ringer for the wooden spoon, and particularly with all the off-field drama that they've got. Well, Souths are another one if they turn up that same yeah, attitude. True. But again, we can't jump too much into no, that no, one. No, no, of course. We've but done this. Yeah, have a look at one game, but yeah, yeah well, yeah, I said last week in the podcast, I spent some time up in Newcastle over the Christmas holidays. Um, spoke to a couple of boys up there, and they're absolutely pumped, Newcastle. For a team that finished last and uh, a favourites for the Spoon, they're pumped. There's a lot of enthusiasm up there. 
it's quite a strange feeling, and I wasn't all surprised at all surprised with the performance. I've, I've got to be honest. I thought they were. I thought, I thought they, they were a good team. Good team, Pete. Yeah. yeah, I thought they were I probably a better, better side. I'm going to throw something out there. I picked Mitch Barnett a couple of years ago to be New South Wales Cup Player of the Year, and a few people were listening when I was doing the commentate and laughed. It happened, and I thought I was cheering when he moved home to play first grade. I'm just going to throw it out there. He's going to play rep football. It may not be this year, but Mitch Barnett's going to play rep football. We'll probably get a run in city country, wouldn't he? I don't honestly think in the next couple of years he's going to If Curtis Sirenin can get a run in city country, then surely. I'm right there with you. I'm telling you right now, uh, I loved him when he was playing his juniors, but he is as old school as they come. He's a tough bastard. Blake Ashford. He's going to be playing rep football at some point, Mitch Barnett. Yeah, I tend to agree. He's only got upside in him, doesn't he? He's only going to get better. And he's angry. We love, love that. I love a bit of anger. <laughs> we love that. And in New South Wales Cup, there's no cameras around, so he can uh, just elbow bomb people. He loves it. Sam, That's outstanding. Like Sam Burgess. <laughs> in the Super League. <laughs> you guys have eight cameras out here. Too many cameras, mate. I can't elbow <laughs> smash them in the forehead. All right, boys. One player that is not happy at the moment, although he, he looked pretty happy on the weekend, Josh Dugan. He plays fairly well. The Dragons have offered him $2.3 million over three years, and he's not happy with that. Uh, the funny thing is, though, that no other NRL club is even going anywhere near that figure. So if, if Dugan's not happy with that, he better hope that he's going to deal with rugby or lawn bowls or something because $2.3 is the best he's going to get for three years. Yeah, well, I heard uh, pretty similar what you are talking about. They were talking to him basically saying that future's not your fullback. Where who's your fullback again? Because uh, let me tell you, as much as people have got hype on Dufty, he'll get manhandled just like Quinlan did, even though he can ball play, he's too small. Uh, the man experiment failed. They're not going to get Tedesco, so who are they getting on the open market to replace him at fullback? Well, we've both said it, that he can't ball play, and he has struggled a little bit, but you look at the way he starts sets off, I guarantee you that forward pack on the weekend were massive fans of him and the way he carried the football back like a front row and starting it off. So um, I don't know how they can sit there and go, your future's in the centres when they've already got a quality pair in Aitken and obviously Lafayette. They've got money tied up in, and they've paid Tane Milne, who couldn't even get a run on the weekend, and... I think he's a quality centre, so I'm a little bit confused. 750, 800,000 a year, and they're telling him he's not a fullback. Um, there's not much out there, and I, I, I wouldn't pay him 1.2 or something ridiculous either, but the only other place I suppose he could go, and there has been talk about, is he told his manager to speak to French rugby. So He is a fullback if you've got two dominant halves, ball playing halves. You can't put him with Josh McCrone and Gareth Widder and expect him to deliver to the side what he has shown, you know, maybe at Origin or yeah. maybe in Canberra when he's playing around a forward pack that's dominating and, you know, he looked good on the weekend because the Dragons forwards just rolled yeah, away. Yeah, rolled through. And that's easy to take a one-game snapshot and, you know, sort of think that you're, that you're entitled to more money. But for me, the numbers he produces in terms of triases, they don't justify big money. No. He's, he's not really producing a lot of points for you. So, you know, and that's... That's your currency as a fullback. You've got to be producing try assists or at least scoring tries. Yeah. And he's, he certainly doesn't lead in the try scorers list, and he certainly is in nowhere I, near try assists for the, the best fullback. So, no. to me, you can't pay him elite money then. One try assist last year was the number. And, and I, how many tries? I, I, don't, I can't remember a double digit season, probably bar his yeah. first or second year in That's Canberra. Right. What so, his currency is is tackle breaks, extra efforts, meters starting sets off. But, but you look at someone even like Tedesco. Tedesco isn't a great ball playing fullback, but he scores. I think he's he a scores, good. Well, he's better than Dugan. Well, he's, but he's double not, digit tries. He's certainly not. So. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's certainly not. An he's elite not Darius Boyd. No. No, he's definitely not Darius Boyd, but 
He, he needs something. And how else much going. are we saying that Tedesco is going to get? How much would you say Tedesco is worth right now? Oh, I'd pay Tedesco a million plus if you wanted me to go okay. absolute minimum, uh, maximum. So if, there you go. You're if saying, you're willing to pay Ben Hunt one point two million dollars, I'd pay Tedesco one point two million dollars. Yeah, I'll that's, that's the I think, value I place on. I think if you got if you got Tedesco for a million, that's a steal. I think my maximum offer for Josh Dugan would be about nine hundred, and that's pushing. Really, you pay nine hundred, eight hundred, seven hundred. What they're offering, I think, would be about right. Because I think it's a rap I, I'd pay him. I'd pay him six fifty. But max, in, in saying my argument that his currency is meters helping out getting the set started, the wingers basically do that now anyway. So you, well, he's you almost a glorified what, winger what, in the exactly. sense that he can't ball play. So you he's doing what, the same job. Um, Nene McDonald delivered for them, mm. and it was probably very similar to what Dugan gives them. Well, he's just and he's an extra big body half, the, half the cash. But that's what the wingers' job is now. He's basically like a glorified winger. But that's what I'm saying. So I can't justify paying him nine. In that sense, I agree with you now. When I take a look back and you look at the jobs that most NRL wingers do now, so. Yeah, you know, I'd be going and buying someone that can ball play and contribute to their... They need to score points. Cameron McInnes isn't a flashy nine. No. Gareth Widdop can score some points, but he needs some guys around him. And Josh McCarron, you know, with all due respect, he's 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 an average first grader. Yeah. So you need to have someone at the back that's going to contribute. Yeah. What about you, Duke? Uh, sorry, what about you? Call, call you Dukes. Dukes. Dukes, mate. Gossip, <laughs> what about you? How much would you pay for Josh Duke? Yeah, look, I'd, I'd probably pay tops of six fifty, seven hundred for, mm. for Dugan. And also, I don't like I don't like his attitude. I don't like the way he turns around and complains after every play of the ball. I don't like his body language. I don't like the fact he stays down a lot. There's a lot of uh, other little things that have turned me off signing him. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Doesn't look the most fittest player in the world, does he? Well, he goes down a lot injured just with niggles or bits and pieces and gets up and fights on. So just, just watch this weekend. Honestly, every time he gets tackled, yeah, he turns around and screams at the pocket referee. Yeah. Every... every Pretty much every tackle. Yeah, he loves a bit of a complaint in the ruck. There's no doubt about that. But what else, mate? Anything else cooking? Yeah, last one for the night, boys. Kieran Foran. Now, I reckon we're going to be speaking about him for probably half the season of where he's going to go. <laughs> um, obviously, he's suspended for the first two rounds, but um, looks like he might be out for another seven or eight with his shoulder. So the Warriors aren't getting the best value for their money, unfortunately. And it leaves a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth, boys. I know we're in the business and, and the game's changing, but... His manager's already spoken with Brisbane at length and the Rabbitohs as well. Hasn't even laid on the boot for the Warriors yet, and these are talks about next year. So, I don't know, there's a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. Bad form. This is the problem, again, when we talk about guys that are super talented get a different set of rules compared to your average first grader, who if they made one incy-bincy mistake, they'd be cut from a squad as quick as they could tear a contract up. But somebody in this kind of, uh, you know, headspace like a Todd Carney or what he's doing right now could get five or six chances without fail. And there'll be no repercussions because a club can pay them next to nothing, bring them in, have a free roll of the dice, maybe pay them afterwards, and if they sack them against a la uh, Todd Carney situation we've seen before, it's no sweat off their back. They just have to have a press conference, uh, say they did as much as they could, blah, 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 then we're going to separate and part ways. I think the NRL needs to step in and intervene um, with what's going on here. With his headspace, with talking to other clubs, you heard the stuff about what happened with Rebecca Wilson. You're hearing that uh, even Sean Johnson, not too long before they announced that he was good to go, said that he reckons he wasn't in the right headspace. And then it was all of a sudden announced that he was going to be playing by round three. So I'm a bit confused with Kieran Foran right now. I, I just I find it very interesting that he's making decisions on next year when he hasn't played a game with these guys yet. What if he What if he straps on a boot? They kill him. Yeah, no, I'm just saying from his perspective. Oh, yeah, but how is like another club could you buy him knowing what's been going on as well? Talking, I want to say. I think it's more. I think it's more. He he 
he wants to secure his future for next year as soon as possible. I get that side of it. Mm. Um, but for me, I, yeah, I look at it and go, what if what if he what if he did? For example, what if he did sign in for Brisbane in three weeks' time? Hasn't played a game for the Warriors. Goes out there, kills it, loves it. What's he going? He can't renege. It just doesn't make sense to me it, unless. His way of thinking is, what if I go out, stink the joint up, and I, I struggle to get a contract for next I can year? See. I get that side of it. Yeah. But for me, I think he's got to back his abilities, get back to playing football, and honour the contract and the period that he's got, of yeah. the contract that you're in currently, which is with the Warriors. On the opposite side of what you're saying, though, if I'm the Brisbane or I'm the Bunnies, I'm not paying him because I want to see him play. And I would tell exactly. as much from what's been happening. So people yeah. are talking, oh, lock him in, and his market value before was 1.2 at the Eels. There's no way I'm giving 1.2 to somebody I haven't seen play a game who's technically going to miss at least 8 to 10 weeks and has been in the headspace he's been in. He well, needs to play for at we're least... We're talking economics with Dugan. I'd, how much would you pay for him? At this point in time, without sending him lace on a boot, I wouldn't make an offer. I wouldn't be in negotiations until I see him on the field for at least a month or six weeks. You know, obviously the Dragons have got Hunt. Unless you had, uh, unless you're a club that was really struggling for a half and were desperate, then I'd get it. But other than that, I agree with you. If you didn't have to, then you, of course you want to see him play. Mate. You want to see him produce elite form before you even think about paying him elite money. There is bear traps around this situation, so I'm it's not. I'm not putting my foot in. I'm putting a stick in there first and watching it snap. I want to see him on the field first before yeah. I even talk money or anything to do with contracts and caring for him. Yeah. It'd be like buying a racehorse and you haven't seen it run for 12 months. Exactly, oh, exactly. There's there's so much unknown there, I can't believe any club's willing to talk at this point in time without seeing him get on the field. Yeah. All right, well, if that wraps us up, we get into the tips, and along with that, they're obviously brought to you by WilliamHill.com and all the odds. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with WilliamHill.com. Join us in the 21st century. You can bet live on your phone. None of this dinosaur stuff with the other betting agencies. Last week in the tips, Box said you got four, I got five, Gossip got six. It was a mixed bag, but not a bad start for you, Goss. Six, that's pretty good in a upside-down round. And I think the first three games... Six, six is a, and I was happy with four. I was happy with five, for Christ's yeah. sake. I, I started off three down straight away. It's very so, easy to get. Points this early, huh? Oh, <laughs> mate, it was an absolute topsy-turvy. But the first game is the Sydney Roosters versus the Bulldogs Thursday night. Uh, looking at this one, obviously the Roosters, very, very strong last week. I think they're basically an easy tip this week from what you've seen with the Bulldogs. They struggled in attack again. They were absolutely had nothing inside 20, and I think the attitude's still pretty poor, so I'll be backing the Roosters. Yeah, Roosters, they're going to have too many points in them, and the Bulldogs simply don't. Yeah, I've got to tip the Roosters. Uh, Bulldogs don't usually lose their first two games of the season, but uh, they are playing like busters, and yeah, the, with each loss comes more pressure for, for Desi. It's a shorter turnaround for the Roosters too, so... Keep that in mind. But yeah, I, I don't know. There's just not enough I can take from the Saturday, Canterbury. And I Saturday, can't exactly yeah. say it was a hard game, to be honest, against you. Saturday night and the, the flight back for the Roosters got in late. So mm. they didn't get back until Sunday night. So really it leaves them two and a half days to prepare. It's so more that, the, that, I, look, I'm, I still, I'm still yeah. tipping the Roosters, but it is something to consider. It's more the points thing, though, that I look at. If they were playing a team that had a decent attack, I'd be a little bit more worried. But what yeah. the Bulldogs are going to throw at them, even though they're a little bit fatigued, I think they'll still have too many points for them. And William Hill agrees wholeheartedly. They are a forty-five favourite. The Bulldogs, two seventy-five minus six is the line. One to twelve for the Chooks is three dollars. Four dollars for the Dogs. Thirteen plus for the Roosters, two sixty-five. Seven for the Dogs. Friday night kicks off. It is the Warriors against the Storm. I think it is across the ditch in this awkward 6 o'clock time slot. I don't know how I've come to this conclusion after they almost lost to Newcastle, but I'm going to tip the Warriors, and I'm absolutely insane, but 
Bromwich now missing for a couple of weeks. I don't know about the whole rotation there and if we're going to be able to back up uh, that effort. There was a lot of guys last week whose ass was hanging out, to be quite honest, with their last 10 to 15 minutes playing those extra minutes. And um, as much as I didn't think New Zealand were that flash over there, another week on and us being a little bit light, still no Harris and Riley Jacks, etc. I know Slater. Uh, I'm going to roll the dice with the Warriors. Yeah, you're a fool. Uh, it's a classic reverse jinx. I'm going to tip the Storm because I don't trust the Warriors at all. Yeah, I've got to go to the Storm as well. The, the Warriors played like busters in the weekend, really. Um, not, we're very unlucky not to win that game. It'll be 10 minutes in. He'll be, he'll be banging the couch going, why the hell did I tip the Warriors? <laughs> Remember? Every, every yeah, listener, well, every yeah, listener out there knows and they've messaged us before. Every time I do you're this, the Storm wins. You're a jerk. I basically do this. Jinx, yeah. I don't care about the one tip. I saw it on the paper points. just saying, I thought, yeah, classic stitch up. Yeah. I talked myself out of it and then Bellamy just goes, no, 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 He can hear me just death riding them, sir. Uh, agreed with WilliamHill.com. The Storm are the favourites away. They are $1.74. The Warriors, two ten minus 2 is the line. 1-12 for the Warriors, three fifty and three ten for the Storm. 13-plus for the Warriors, four fifty and three seventy five for the Storm. The second Friday night game, it is the Cracker Queensland clash. It is the Broncos versus the Cowboys. This game has been outstanding the last five or six times it's been played. Uh, from what I saw from the Broncos, I, I thought they were pretty solid without being outstanding. I wasn't a big fan of what they did with their middles, and the halves were a little bit flat for mine. So I'll be backing the Cowboys, even though I thought them as well should have posted more points against Canberra. Yeah, it's a really hard game because Brisbane, obviously, the longer turnaround. The Cowboys went to Golden Point. The Cowboys have to travel. Uh, it's at Suncorp to kick it off for Brisbane. I'm going to tip the Cowboys just because I think they're the better side, but... I think Brisbane are right in this, uh, up to their ears. Yeah, early on in the piece, it's a flip of a coin, really. But I'm going to go to the Broncos, only because I've had more game prep time. Yeah. Uh, Cowboys are the short turnaround, but no other reason than that. Yeah, well, it is a hard one, and the bookies at William Hill agree with us. It's a pick'em game. It's a dollar ninety a piece for these two sides. And is it how many times has it been Golden Point now in a row? Hasn't it been a couple of times in a row? We had the grand final. Yeah, we had two last week, two last year, didn't we? Yeah, we had the semi final. We had a couple of regular season games. I think the last three in a row possibly have been. Uh, the, well, the well, the semi went to semi went to Golden Point. The grand Mark, final. I think it's Golden three Point. out of the last four. And I think yeah, one of the uh, games during the year was a Golden Point game. So yeah, and the other one went right down to the. It was decided in pretty much the eightieth minute. Yeah, so, yeah. But a dollar ninety a piece with WilliamHill.com. Half a point is the line for this one. One to twelve for both sides is three ten. Thirteen plus for both sides is four fifty. The next game starts off Super Saturday, the best day of the week. It is the Newcastle Knights after a strong showing last week. Versus the Gold Coast Titans, they are at home. Uh, I really, really tried to talk myself into tipping them before, and I'm absolutely heartbroken for Dylan Pythian, which I must pronounce. I think someone from his family posted on the page that they were getting the shits that everyone was saying Pythian. It's not Pythian. It's actually Pythian, like phone with a PH. He's done his ACL after one... With an F. Pythian, yeah. Posted on our page? Uh, no, they posted on one of the gossip pages. Okay. That the commentators kept calling it Pythium when it's Pythium. But the poor bugger done his ACL round one last mm. week. And poor old Newcastle. Well, they, they took their best 24 players in that trial game I saw. Um, and we basically said this before the season kicked off. The big thing that's going to hurt them is squad depth. Yeah. And they've already lost a player. Brendan Elliott's been named at fullback. I highly doubt he'll be the one playing there. Wouldn't surprise me if Nathan Ross, who's a former New South Wales Cup player of the year at fullback, Gets a run there, or Dane Gagai, yep. who come through the juniors as a junior kangaroo fullback. Um, I really, really did want to tip them, but I've gone the Gold Coast just because I think they were embarrassing last week. Uh, Proctor was named to play, Hayne, etc. All these guys need to step up. So 
I think it's going to be very hard at Newcastle, but I'm going to back the Titans. Yeah, I'm going to tip Newcastle, I think. The Titans were by far and away the worst team last week, and I don't know how that's going to improve. This week, all we've heard is the rubbish from Hayne. Uh, the Hayne sideshow is in full... Well, what do you say? Full, full steam ahead, full mm-hmm. effect, yeah. So I, I can't tip the Gold Coast until I see something and things settle off the field. Newcastle were brilliant last week. Uh, they play well above their weight, well above their ability. They're well coached. I'll just tip them because I think, you know, I'll just back them that they're going to turn up and they'll play harder than the Gold Coast. Yep. Goss, what do you reckon, um, mate? Um, yeah, it was interesting to see um, Henry today cut his presser short with the with um, the Brisbane newspapers because he was sick of answering questions about Hayne. And then well, you've don't got sign him the... then, Neil. Don't sign him. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. I, I, I hear but then you've got also the pressure about Nathan Pete and I don't think there's a happy place up there at the moment. And I, I've got to tip the Knights. I don't think the Titans are a happy joint at the moment. Um, and Ross, I, mate, I'd love to see him at fullback. I'd love to see him touch the ball. He was out against the Warriors. The roster, mate. Self-named White Lightning. Like I said, two years in a row, he was uh, the New South Wales Cup fullback of the year, so he he's, has um, played there. He's the modern-day Adam McDougall. He loves it. He's, yeah, he, he, is. he does love it. And he's purely crazy. He's an enigma. Exactly. Just he's like pure dudes. crazy. I absolutely he love it. He just needs to start injecting steroids into his thighs <laughs> and talking <laughs> to him. <laughs> well, he's got the Zoltan sign for his son, but every time he does it, I think, Zoltan! I can't help myself, but... Uh, the bookies agree that the Gold Coast are favourites, but you boys, some good value for you. Two fifty five for the Newcastle Knights to get a win. Oh, Minus five and that. a half. Yeah, it's a good one. I'm Minus five and a half is the line. One to twelve for the Newcastle Knights, three eighty five. I like that market if I was gonna have a bit of a dabble. One to twelve for the Titans is three. Thirteen plus for the Knights, six fifty, two eighty five for the Titans. But that one to twelve market at three eighty five, I think I might have twenty or thirty bucks on that one for a bit of a dabble. Game two of Super Saturday, it is the Sea Eagles versus South Sydney. Last week, Manly could not catch a cold, dropped a lot of football, and they've lost three of the four front rowers from their rotation from last week. Adam Fanua, Blake, Marty Tapao, both suspended, and Lloyd Perrett fractured his eye socket. So Nate Miles, Brenton Lawrence, and then they've got a bit of a random setup on the bench. I think Jared Kennedy, uh, Cameron Cullen, and Sean Lane all called in. And on the south side of things... Pretty negligent behaviour, uh, in my opinion, of what they did with Greg Inglis. Adam Reynolds is named in an extended squad. I think they'll probably sneak him back in, and Braden Burns ends up getting a wing spot there. This one I really, really struggle with, but the fact that Manly lost three of their four front rowers, I know GI is a huge loss, but I think they can kind of shuffle things around. I'm going to tip South with absolutely zero confidence, and I want to give myself a triple, but I don't think you can lose three front rowers and just expect that to, you know, turn around. I have no idea. I'll tip Manly. I watched South Live. They were disgusting. Manly, I think, were their own worst enemy. I think they can fix up their errors. They defended pretty well. Oh, yeah, I won't tip Manly. Mm. If Reynolds plays, I think South win. They really missed him. But, like you boys said, it's a bit of a flip of a coin. Um, but I'll, I'll go South pending that uh, Reynolds plays. Yeah, oh, so they're saying that he's going to come back. He, they've named done the yeah. sneaky. He's extended squad. There was photos of him today. I reckon he'll end up playing. I thought they said he was going to be gone for a month. So they have him, Walker, yeah, Johnston. Right. Burns did really well, uh, obviously, in that trial. I'll tell you who was really impressive for me last week for them. So see for Talakai in a beaten side. Good. I thought he was a good player. But their forward pack needs to adapt. There needs to be some change there. Um, yeah, I just think you can't lose three front rowers in a situation where they were pretty poor last week, but they've lost three of their four manly. So I'll tell you what, if uh, manly lose this week, Barrett's going to be under some pressure. I lost lose the opening two at home. Well, I tell you what, against two sides, you know that's a game they could have won on Sunday. And this is you got South 
with some key players out, mm. he's going to be under the pressure straight away, isn't he? That does hurt, though. A lot of people underrate that, but losing three of your four prop rotation, oh, definitely. that hurts They're a going lot. to be smaller, and you'd think that Maguire's going to identify that and play big. He'll probably put the two Burgess twins back in. Well, he should put George back he in, should. and he named Angus Crichton, who I'm a big fan of. Well, he's go. a destructive runner, so yeah. hopefully they turn things around with a better attitude this week. The bookies at WilliamHill.com have Manly, the favourites, being at home, $1.60 there. South Sydney, 235 minus four is the line. One to twelve for Manly, three dollars, three eighty for South. Thirteen plus for Manly is three ten, six dollars for South. And the conclusion of Super Saturday, it is the Raiders versus Cronulla. This game has almost become a bit of a rivalry the last couple of years. So expect this one to be a cracker. Jack Whiten will return from illness. Junior Paulo is back. Um, they're at home. They had a close loss last week, missing three key players. I'm still going to tip Canberra because I think Cronulla are going to push Holmes back a little bit early. I don't expect him to be too sharp. Braley's still learning the flow of things, and I just think it may take them a couple of weeks. But Canberra to get a win first game back at home. Yeah, I think there's more pressure on Canberra to win this game. It's at home. Um, they want some revenge for the semi-final game. They lost there as well uh, last year. So, uh, yeah, Raiders. Yeah, I'm on the Raiders as well. The clap will be back. And I'm not talking about the STD. No. <laughs> there, there probably is a little bit of that going around as well. Don't worry. Oh. Oh yeah, <laughs> the Viking clap. It's probably, probably not the most appropriate uh, topic line for this week. Anyway. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> 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 Love it. All right, see you clear, boys. Well, William Hill have the Raiders' favourite at home. A dollar fifty-seven. The Sharkies are two forty minus four and a half is the line. One to twelve for the Raiders. Three dollars three sixty for the Sharks. Thirteen plus the Raiders. Three ten. Six dollars the Sharks. Now Sunday, the Tigers. Versus the Panthers, I think this one is pretty hard to pick. Everyone, obviously, as usual, very excited about the Tigers. Done their typical explosion game, but God knows what you're going to get because in previous years, they'd usually get a win like this, and then the week later, they'd absolutely fall apart. Penrith, the premiership favourites, walked in last week like a drunk former, man into a fight. Former premiership favourites and just got absolutely slapped around by a team that was getting talked about in regards to getting the wooden spoon and losing their coach. So... Mm. Um, I'm willing to have one more crack with Penrith with absolutely no confidence, but we all love the bounce-back factor in round two. Oh. So if they don't show some fight this week, I think there's big problems coming for the Panthers. No, I can't tip them. I thought St. George rolled all the way through them. I watched the Tigers just roll all the way through south. So I think West have got their kryptonite. It's at Campbelltown. It's a tough place to play. Penrith, to me, they look they looked young and inexperienced. I, I don't know. They... I couldn't believe they were premiership favourites. I've got them in my eight. I think they'll make the eight, but I think they'll be at the lower end again. Uh, so I'll tip the Tigers. Yeah, I think Tedesco will have free reign. I think the Tigers will give the Panthers a touch-up. The Panthers' goal line defence for me personally was, was terrible. There was no structure. There was no communication. Um, as soon as the Dragons got in the red zone, you knew it was going to be a try. The Panthers didn't have any defensive structure at all. Yeah. I think the Tigers will absolutely run right. It's a little bit worrying when Penrith was sliding in the wet Mm. while the ball's on their inside shoulder and just not making those tough tackles. Like, Joel Thompson's a great footballer, but for him to score three crash-over, underline yeah. tries, same try. rings alarm bells for me for Penrith's defence. You're spot on. Well, I just think this week, if that forward pack doesn't aim up, there's going to be some serious questions asked. The New South Wales Cup side had a good win, and they've got some guys that are on the door of making their debut. So mm. I think uh, so heads up. will already roll within a week if they lose. Uh, Viliama Kakao healthy, scored on the weekend. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Tyron May, for me, is a long-term six. It's not tomorrow, Martin. Uh, yeah. He had a cracker game on the weekend as well. So watch out for that one, Panthers fans, if they don't aim up. The bookies at William Hill have Penrith the favourite at $1.80. The West Tigers, $2.00. 
Minus one and a half is the line. One to twelve for the Tigers, three forty, three ten for Penrith. Thirteen plus the Tigers, four seventy five, three seventy five. Penrith. And to conclude the round, it is the Dragons versus Parramatta. Two teams that played very well last weekend. Uh, a new spine for Parramatta. Didn't look too bad. Things come together nicely for them. Corey Norman hasn't played a game for seven months and was absolutely outstanding. And St. George obviously blew everybody away. Hopefully they stick to that style of football. I think Mary McGregor may have woken up to himself. He's got an outstanding forward pack. Play flat. Get some quick uh, ruck speed and just make the halves play straight and simple off the back of quick player laws. If that pre-line block-block crap comes back, they could be in some trouble. I deliberated over this one a little bit and I was trying to talk myself into the Dragons, but again, I am going to go to Parramatta with not much confidence. I'm tipping the Dragons. It's in Wollongong. Uh, I think Parramatta, they went lucky. They played uh, hard and tough last week, but I think the amount of ball that Manly dropped flattered Parramatta a little bit. I think they should have put more points on. Uh, so I'll tip the Dragons, zero confidence, but Wollongong, they only play four games down there, and I think they'll be looking to put in a good performance. I think the Dragons will come back crashing down to earth and realise they played a haphazard team. I think Parramatta will roll them. Well, there you go. Bit of a bit of a difference in a few of the tips again this week. This is going to be very interesting early on in the year, but the bookies have Parramatta favourites at William Hill, $1.80. The Dragons, $2.00 minus 1.5 is the line. 1 to 12 for the Dragons, $3.40, $3 for the Eels. 13 plus for the Dragons, $5 and $3.75 for the Eels. So again, uh, the Cowboys Broncos game, gossips on the Broncos, we're on the Cows. Storm game, I've gone myself and the Warriors. You guys are going the opposite. I'm on the Titans of my own, you're on Newcastle. We're on South's gossip. Brock's on Manly. Uh, Tigers Panthers on Solo, and Brock's Solo on the Dragons. So we're gonna. Well, this is getting very violent early on. Usually we're quite yeah. consistent, but this is good. Piranhas in the water. I like it. New beauty. Bring it on. Tips exciting. Thank you, WilliamHill.com, for all the odds provided for our tipping segment. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with WilliamHill.com. Gossip, thanks a lot, mate. Just, just one thing you before go, Gossip goes. Yep. You don't become the back-to-back champion without hanging them out there, boys. Hanging them out there. Mate, <laughs> you've all basically shot me down on every tip I've done here, so I've hung, more than hung them out there. Good. There's a few there, but Gossip... Oh, Thanks a lot again, champion. Always got the great info, the inside word, and hopefully the Penny Panthers make a much better effort this week for yourself so you don't have to drink yourself to sleep. <laughs> oh, you know me too well. Thanks, boys. Much appreciated. Yeah, see you, next Have a good one. And that wraps us up for another week here on the fifth and last NRL podcast. Round one is done. Round two is on the horizon. Hopefully there's some bounce back factor for some teams out there and for all you people whose team did not have a win in round one. Remember, if you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with WilliamHill.com. Join them in the 21st century, not with the Stone Age and the other guys that don't let you live bet on the football. But most importantly, enjoy the rest of your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.